This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. أما بعد فقد قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى في تفسير قوله تعالى أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها النبي جاهد الكفار والمنافقين واغلظ عليهم O Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم do jihad against unbelievers with the sword and against the hypocrites with the tongue and evidence and be harsh with them through rebuke and hatred وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمُ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ Their shelter will be hell. What an evil destination. يَحْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ مَا قَالُوا They, meaning the hypocrites, swear by Allah that they said nothing of what was reported to you regarding their cursing. وَلَقَدْ قَالُوا كَلِمَةَ الْكُفْرِ وَكَفَمُوا بَعْدَ إِسْلَامِهِمْ But they definitely spoke the word of unbelief and returned to unbelief after their Islam. Demonstrating their disbelief after making a display of Islam. وَهَمُّوا بِمَا لَمْ يَنَالُوا They planned something which they did not achieve. When they wanted to assassinate the Prophet ﷺ on the night of his return from Tabuk, there were about ten men. Amar ibn Yasir struck the faces of the camels when they approached him and they went back. وَمَا نَقَمُوا إِلَّا أَنْ أَغْنَاهُمُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And they were vindictive for no other reason than that Allah and his Messenger ﷺ had enriched them from his bounty. Through beauty, after the poverty they have suffered. It means that this is all that happened to them and this is the only reason for what they felt. It is certainly not something which should elicit bad feelings. If they were to repent from the hypocrisy and believe in you, it would be better for them. But if they turn away from belief, Allah will punish them with a painful punishment in this world by killing and by the fire in the next world. And they will find not any protector or helper to defend them and protect them on the earth. Verse 74. Allah is continuing as we said in Surah At-Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah is a surah that exposes the hypocrites of Medina. And Surah At-Tawbah is from the final revelations that Allah sent to the Prophet in terms of the surahs of the Quran. And from the names as we mentioned yesterday of this surah is that it is the exposer and the seeker because it sought them out, the, the hypocrites, it sought them out and it exposed them. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum has said that verses continue to be revealed concerning the hypocrites in this surah until we thought that it wouldn't miss any of them out. So it is a surah that deals with them and that is the context of these verses that we are continuing in. And no doubt as we know the Quran is not meant to be just for me as an individual or you as an individual but it is meant to deal with every situation that the Muslims will encounter so for example maybe I don't encounter a hypocrite in my lifetime Allah knows best but there are people who will and then the Quran is also meant for those people who are the rulers of the Muslims and so the Quran brings all of that together so some of these rulings are clearly for the Muslim rulers some of them are clearly for the Muslim judges and some of them are for everyone and it is important to make that distinction because when you don't make that distinction, people take things into their own hands in ways that cause more harm and evil and go against the principles of the Sharia. In verse 74, the author Ta'ala mentions a story. But what is, um, and, and Allah knows best about the authenticity of that particular incident of Umar ibn Yasir radiallahu anhumah. 
But Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma mentions concerning this verse another incident that is collected by Imam al-Tabari in his tafsir. And he says that we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to us, there will be people who will soon enter upon you. When they enter, do not pay any attention to them, nor speak to them. So then they entered upon us, these people who were the hypocrites. And they came and they sat in front of the Prophet And the Prophet said to them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, why do you and your companions speak evil about me and curse me and swear at me? Because they would, as we know, the hypocrites in the face of the Muslims are very pleasant and very happy. But when they turn their backs and they go away, they spread those evil rumors and they swear and curse the Muslims, including the Prophet Why do you say this about me? So they took an oath that they didn't. That is what Allah is saying. They swear by Allah, they said nothing, but they definitely spoke the word of unbelief. And that is the authentic narration that is mentioned in Tafsir al-Tabari. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ عَاهَدَ اللَّهَ لَإِنْ آتَانَا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ لَنَصَّدَّقَنَّ وَلَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ Among them, there were some who made an agreement with Allah. If He gives us of His bounty, we will definitely give sadaqah and be among the righteous. This refers to Tha'lab ibn Hafid. He asked the Prophet wasallam to pray to Allah to provide him with wealth so that he could pay every creditor what was owed to them. So he made supplication for him and his wealth expanded. Then Thalaba cut himself off from the Jumu'ah and the community and refused to pay zakat, as Allah recounts. And this is verse 55. This is the famous narration that is mentioned in a number of books of tafsir, that this verse, verse number 75, was revealed concerning the situation of a companion by the name of Thalaba ibn Hatib. And Thalaba ibn Hatib is a companion of the Prophet who is a senior and well-known companion. And the scholars of tafsir and of hadith like Ibn Hazm rejected this narration and said it is extremely weak. And he defended Ta'lab ibn Hatim and said that this isn't a narration that is worthy of being recounted or told. And amongst those scholars who also dismissed it were Imam al-Bayhaqi and Imam al-Qurtubi and Ibn Hajar and in more recent times Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah. And they said that it is extremely weak. Not least because this companion, Tha'lab ibn Hatib, is from the companions of Badr. And we've mentioned yesterday in the tafsir of Surah Al-Anfal, the station, the status, the virtue, the reward of those companions of the Prophet who attended the battle of Badr. And it's not from their character, and it doesn't go with what we know of those illustrious companions, that they would be people who would ask the Prophet for some type of dua like this, and then when they receive it, that they wouldn't pay zakah, they wouldn't come to the masjid to pray, they would cut themselves off from the community. And so it is weak in terms of its chain of narrators, the narration, and it is weak in terms of its matan and its text, because the story doesn't go with what we know of those companions, including Tha'laba ibn Hatib radiallahu anhu. But the author for verses 75, 76, 77, 78 will continue to refer to the story because it is a common commonly narrated story and cause of revelation in the books of tafsir and that's why it is important when studying tafsir to be able to distinguish between the narrations that are mentioned that are often or sometimes weak and sometimes extremely weak and sometimes can even be fabrications and lies and it is important to have that distinction because otherwise you end up believing something that is incorrect 
فلما آتاهم من فضله بخلوا به وتولوا وهم معرضون But when he does give them of his bounty, they are tight-fisted with it and turn away from obeying Allah. فَأَعْقَبَهُمْ نِفَاقًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ إِلَى يَوْمِ يَلْقَوْنَهُ بِمَا أَخْلَفُوا اللَّهَ مَا وَعَدُوهُ وَبِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ So he has punished them by putting hypocrisy in their hearts and fixing it there until the day they meet him, meaning Allah, and the day of rising. Because they failed Allah in what they promised him and because they lied about it. After that, he came to the Prophet ﷺ with zakat, but he said, Allah has forbidden me to accept it from you. Ta'laba began to throw dust on his head. Then he brought it to Abu Bakr, who would not accept it. Then to Umar, who would not accept it. Then he brought it to Uthman, who did not accept it. He died during Uthman's caliphate. And this is still on the same relation of Ta'laba radiallahu anhu. That then when he wanted to give zakat after that time, according to that narration, neither the Prophet ﷺ nor Abu Bakr nor Umar would accept it from him. And he died in the reign of Uthman radiallahu anhu majma'in. And as we said, that is, this is an extremely weak narration. And so therefore these verses are general, speaking about generally the situation of the munafiqeen. And it doesn't refer to any specific person, but especially and in particular not a companion who is from amongst the senior companions radiallahu anhu. أَلَمْ يَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ سِرَّهُمْ وَنَجْوَاهُمْ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ Do they, meaning the hypocrites, not know that Allah knows their secrets which they concealed in themselves and their private, meaning secret talk between themselves and that Allah is the knower of all unseen things. He knows what cannot be seen. When the, when the ayah concerning sadaqah was revealed, a man came and gave a lot and the hypocrite said, he is showing off. A man came and gave a sah, beja, and they said, Allah has no need of this one sadaqah. Then the next ayah was revealed. Verse 79. As for the people who find fault with those believers who give voluntary sadaqah spontaneously and with those who can find nothing to give but their own effort and deride them, Allah derides them. They'll have a painful punishment for their derision of the believers. And this verse 79 and the previous one was 78. The commentary that the author Ta'ala, gave when the ayah concerning sadaqah was revealed, a man came and gave a lot to the hypocrites. That's the commentary of the next verse, of verse 79. So verse 78, the commentary of the hadith, when the ayah concerning sadaqah was revealed, a man came and gave a lot, a lot. And the hypocrites, this is a man, said that this is a man showing off. And then a man came and gave a sa' which is a handful of sadaqah. And they said, as for this one, Allah has no need for that paltry sum of sadaqah that he's giving. This is the hadith of Abu Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that is authentic collected in Sahih al-Bukhari. And then Allah azza wa revealed this verse which is verse 79. <laughs> you, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may ask forgiveness for them or not ask forgiveness for them. He was given a choice of asking forgiveness or not asking it. The Prophet ﷺ said, I was given a choice and I chose. Meaning, he chose to ask for forgiveness. Al-Bukhari related this hadith. إِن تَسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ سَبْعِينَ مَرَّةً فَلَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ Even if you ask forgiveness for them 70 times, Allah still will not forgive them. What is meant by 70 is a lot of asking forgiveness. In Al-Bukhari, if I knew that by my doing it more than 70 times, someone would be forgiven, I would have done more. It is also said that what is meant is a specific number which is also based on the hadith I will do more than 70 it is clear to him that forgiveness is cut off by the ayah
ذلك بأنهم كفروا بالله ورسوله That is because they have rejected Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Wallahu la yahdi al-qawm al-fasiqeen Allah does not guide deviant people In verse 80, uh, this verse is referring to the hadith of Umar radiallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari about the death of the leader of the hypocrites Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Sarun that he died in Medina and this is before the verses that will come shortly which forbid the Prophet from praying the janazah of the hypocrites and seeking forgiveness for them. Abdullah ibn Ubay is the leader of the hypocrites of Medina. He's their leader when they turn away from the battle of Badr, when they turn away from the battle of Uhud, when they try to undermine the Muslims in the battle of Ahzab. All of the evil that comes from these people that are the hypocrites, Abdullah ibn Ubay is their leader. He's the one who they look up to. He's the one that kind of determines their actions and how they deal with the Muslims in Medina and the way that they interact with the Prophet Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Sarul dies towards the end of the Medinan period. And in this hadith, the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay, who is a companion and a believer, he's not from the hypocrites, he's a man of Iman, and a true companion of the Prophet He comes and he says, O Messenger of Allah, my father died. So will you give me your top robe that I may shroud him in it? Because even though this man is a hypocrite and his son knows that he's a hypocrite, he's still his father, and he wants perhaps maybe from the intercession of the Prophet that Allah will forgive him or Allah will lessen his punishment or something. So he asks for the top garment of the Prophet The Prophet gives it to him and he says, and if you and your family allow, I will come and lead his prayer. So the son says, of course, that would be great. So the Prophet leaves and as he's going, Umar radiallahu anhu hears of this, so he comes to the Prophet and he stops him. And he holds on to him. And he says, O oh, Messenger of Allah, how can you pray over this man after all he's done and all the harm that he's committed? So Allah, the Prophet replied, Allah gave me a choice and I have chosen. That's what the author is referring to. Because Allah says, Istaghfir lahum, aw la lahum. Seek forgiveness for them or don't seek forgiveness for them. So he's saying, Allah gave me the choice. I can do this or that and I have chosen, meaning that I will do so. And that shows us the beautiful character of our Prophet and his mercy and his kindness and his gentleness that someone for more or less the whole of the Medinan period is an enemy that isn't even a clear enemy but he's probably more dangerous and more detrimental because of the way that he behaves and acts and the way that he influences people but despite that the Prophet is more than happy not only to give him his garment but to go and lead his salah and pray over him the janazah prayer and then you have the other wording of the hadith. And if I knew that I could do more than 70, I would have done so. So then the Prophet went and he led the prayer. And then Allah will reveal the verses that will come shortly in verse 83, 84 and so on. Then Allah will tell the Prophet that he should not do so again. And so the Prophet was forbidden from doing this. And the statement of the, of the author Taala concerning the number 70, that it's means a lot, is a uh, well-known issue amongst some of the scholars of the Arabic language that the number 7 and its derivatives, 70, 700, 70,000, these numbers 7 and 70 and so on are mentioned many times in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet 
And some of the scholars said the reason why it is always the number 7, it's never 8 and 80 and 800, it's never 4 or 40 and 400, it is always 7. Is because in the Arabic language the number 7 denotes a great amount. And so when Allah Azzawajal makes us make tawaf 7 times, sa'i 7 times, stoning the jamarat 7 times, and so on and so forth, the gates of Jahannam are 7, it's because all of them mean a great deal and a great amount of number. So it's not a specific number that is being meant. And that's why he says that if I knew that more than 70 would make a difference, I would have done so. It's not about the number 70. It is an expression to show that it is, means that it doesn't matter how much you seek forgiveness for them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forgive them. And Allah knows best. Those who were left behind from Tabuk were glad to stay behind the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَكَرِهُوا أَن يُجَاهِدُوا بِأَمْوَالِهِمْ وَأَنفُسِهِمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ They did not want to do jihad with their wealth and themselves in the way of Allah. وَقَالُوا لَا تَنْفِرُوا فِي الْحَرِّ They said to one another, do not go out to fight jihad in the heat. قُلْنَاهُ جَهَنَّمَ أَشَدُّ حَرَّةِ Say, the fire of hell is much hotter than that of Tabuk. And so it is more appropriate to fear it and not stay behind. If they only understood. Meaning, if they had grasped the truth, the truth of that, they would not have stayed behind. Let them laugh little in this world and weep much in the next world in repayment for what they have earned. This is a description of their state expressed in the verbal form of the imperative. فَإِنْ رَجَعَكَ اللَّهُ إِلَىٰ طَائِفَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسْتَأْذَنُوكَ لِلْخُرُوجِ If Allah returns you from Tabuk to a group of them, meaning a group of the hypocrites who stay behind in Medina, and they ask you for permission to go out with you on another expedition, فَقُلْ لَن تَخْرُجُوا مَعِيَ أَبَدًا وَلَن تُقَاتِلُوا مَعِيَ عَدُوًا Say to them, you will never go out with me, nor will you ever fight an enemy with me. إِنَّكُمْ رَضِيتُمْ بِالْقُعُودِ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ You were happy to stay behind the first time. فَقُعُودُوا مَعَ الْخَالِفِينَ So stay behind with those who are left behind, the expedition, such as women, children and others. Verse 84 The following was revealed when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, prayed over the grave of Ibn Ubayd. وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَقُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ Never pray over any of them who die or stand at their graves for burial or to visit them. They rejected Allah and His Messenger وسلم, and died as deviators. They are unbelievers. Do not let their wealth and their children impress you. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَن يُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا فِي الدُّنْيَا Allah merely wants to punish them by them in this world. وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ And for them to expire and leave this world while they are unbelievers. وَإِذَا أُنْزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَجَاهِدُوا مَعَ رَسُولِهِ اسْتَأْذَنَكَ أُولُوا الطَّوْلِ مِنْهُمْ وَقَالُوا ذَرْنَا نَكُمْ مَعَ الْقَاعِدِينَ when a surah is sent down, meaning the part of the Qur'an is revealed, saying, Believe in Allah and do jihad together with His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Those among them with wealth will ask you to excuse them, saying, Let us remain with those who stay behind. 
رضوا بأن يكونوا مع الخوالف They are pleased to be with those who stay behind Meaning the women who stay behind in their houses Their hearts have been stamped So they do not understand with good lies لَكِنِ الرَّسُولُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ جَاهَدُوا بِأَمْوَالِهِمْ وَأَنفُسِهِمْ But the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and those who believe along with him, have done jihad with their wealth and with themselves. وَأُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْخَيْرَاتِ They are the people who shall have the good things both in this world and the next world. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ They are the ones who are successful. أَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Allah has prepared gardens for them with rivers flowing under them, remaining in them timelessly forever. ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ That is a great victory. وَجَاءَ الْمُعَذِّرُونَ مِنَ الْأَعْرَابِ لِيُؤْذَنَ لَهُمْ وَقَعَدَ الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ the desert Arabs came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with their excuses, read as muadzimuna and muadzimuna, asking for permission to stay behind, to stay, to stay behind. He excused them and those among the hypocritical desert Arabs who lied to Allah and His Messenger about their claim to believe, stayed behind. A painful punishment will afflict those among them who disbelieve. لَيْسَ عَلَى الضُّعَفَاءِ وَلَا عَلَى الْمَرْضَى وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ حَرَجٌ إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Nothing is held against the weak, such as old men, and the sick, such as those who are blind and chronically ill, or against those who find nothing to spend in jihad. They incur no wrong action in staying behind, provided they are true to Allah and His Messenger, Meaning when they stay behind and do not agitate or provoke, and they obey Allah. مَا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ مِنْ سَبِيلٍ There is no way open against good doers to punish them. وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah is ever forgiving to them, most merciful to them in being expansive to them. وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ إِذَا مَا أَتَوْكَ لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ Nor is anything held against those who, when they came to you, for you to provide them with mounts, to go with you on the expedition. There were seven of the Ansar and four of the Banu Muqadrim. قُلْتَ لَا أَجِدُ مَا أَحْمِلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ تَوَلَّوْا وَأَعْيُنُهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ حَزَنًا أَلَّا يَجِدُوا مَا يُنْفِقُونَ And you said, I cannot find anything on which to mount you. Turned away with their eyes, overflowing with tears, overcome by grief at having nothing to give in jihad. This verse, verse number 92, is mentioned in a number of hadith, or referred to in a number of hadith, from the hadith in the Sahihain, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was traveling to Tabuk and on his way back he said that there are people in Medina that we haven't traversed a single path or gone down a single valley except that they have a the reward that we have they have a valid excuse for not coming out and as we said yesterday the battle of Tabuk was an arduous journey and a very long battle and it required the people who were going to accompany the expedition to have a mount between them that they could share with other people because to walk that distance and come back would be extremely tiring whilst preparing for a battle. So there were a number of the companions who were poor, who didn't have the ability to purchase a horse between them, or a camel between them, or some type of riding beast between them to take them there. They had to stay back. And these are the people of the valid excuses. 
And that is what Allah Azza wa Jal is referring to in verse 91. لَيْسَ عَلَى الضُّعَفَاءَ وَلَا عَلَى الْمَرْضَى وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ حَرَجٍ Those are the people with valid excuses who physically or financially didn't have the capability to go and perform this battle. But the Prophet ﷺ gave them the same reward in that hadith because of their intention, which shows us the power of intention and how sometimes Allah can reward a person more for their intention than their action and that is from the mercy of Allah but also from the importance of sincerity in our religion. And also what is collected concerning this particular verse uh, verse number 92 is the hadith in Bukhari of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu that he says that a group of us from the tribe of the Ash'ariyin and al-Ash'ari is a tribe in that time later on it becomes known as a group from the groups of the Muslims but classically in early Muslim texts it's referring to a tribe Abu Musa radiyallahu says a group of us from my tribe we came to the Prophet saying O Messenger of Allah we want to go and want to fight but we don't have anything that we can take for you to, to go. So the Prophet ﷺ said, By Allah, you will not go, and by Allah, I will not take you. Took an oath. Why? Because they don't have enough wealth to go, and the Prophet ﷺ doesn't have anything to give them with. Then they left, and they were upset, and they were crying. And then one of the companions came and he gave a number of camels as sadaqah. O Messenger of Allah, this is for the battle, use it as you please. So the Prophet ﷺ said, bring those companions of the Ash'ariyeen, bring them back. So they were brought back and the Prophet ﷺ gave them a number of camels, four or five camels and said, take this amongst you and distribute it. So they took it and then one of them said, how can we take this when the Prophet ﷺ swore an oath by Allah that he wouldn't give it to us and now he's given it to us. We don't want to be responsible for the Prophet ﷺ breaking his oath. So they went back and they said, O Messenger of Allah, we don't want it. You took an oath, we don't want to break your oath. The Prophet ﷺ said, take it. The oath, I, I am not the one who gave it to you, it is Allah who provided it for you. And by Allah, I will never make an oath and find something better, except that I will break my oath and expiate it, and then do what is better. And that is a principle in taking oaths by Allah, that if you take an oath to do something, and then you find that there is more reward and benefit in something else, the sunnah is to break that oath and expiate and do what is better. Because the purpose of the oath is to do what is most pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ نُسْتَبِينُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ يَسْتَأْذِنُونَكَ وَهُمْ أَغْنِيَاءَ There are only brands against those who ask you for permission to stay behind when they are rich. رَضُوا بِأَن يَكُونُوا مَعَ الْخَوَالِفِ they were pleased to be among those who were left behind. Allah has sealed up their hearts so they do not know. They will make excuses to you for having stayed behind when you return to them from the expedition. Say to them, do not make excuses. We will not believe you. Allah has already informed us about you, meaning about the truth of your circumstances. Allah will see your actions as will His Messenger. Then will be returned by the resurrection to the knower of the unseen and the visible, meaning Allah. And he will inform you regarding what, what you did. And then he will repay you for it. 
سيحلفون بالله لكم إذا انقلبتم إليهم لتعرضوا عنهم They will swear to you by Allah when you return to them from Tabuk and they will make their excuses about staying behind so that you leave them alone by not rebuking them فَأَعْرِضُوا عَنْهُمْ Leave them alone then إِنَّهُمْ لِجْزْ They are filth because of their inward foulness وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمُ جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ The shelter will be hell as repayment for what they did. And these verses are speaking about when the Prophet ﷺ returned from the battle of Tabuk and the hypocrites come and they make their false excuses to the Prophet ﷺ. And this will be mentioned in the long hadith that will come in a verse shortly in a few pages time or in a few verses time of the story of Ka'ab ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. And we will mention then the long narration that is kept in Sahih al-Bukhari. But what basically these verses are referring to is how when the Prophet returned from Tabuk, the uh, hypocrites came out in their numbers. And in moderation, they are numbered as being over 80. Over 80 of them that didn't go on the battle. They all came and they lied and they made their false excuses. And Allah is saying, accept their excuses, what they give. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deal with them accordingly. They will swear to you to make you pleased with them. But even if you are pleased with them, Allah is certainly not pleased with deviant people. Meaning if Allah is angry with them, your being pleased with them will be of no benefit to them at all. And one of the things that Imam al mentions concerning the story of Ka'b ibn Malik is that he said, Ka'b ibn Malik, that when the hypocrites came and they made their false excuses, 80 or more of them in number, and the Prophet would accept it, they would come, they would apologize, they would make an excuse, and he would accept, and he would accept, and he would accept. He said, Whereas for me, when I came, I spoke to him the truth. And by Allah, there was not a blessing that Allah gave to me after Islam, than my being able to sit in front of the Prophet and speak the truth. Meaning that he counted that as a ni'mah of Allah, that he wasn't one of those people who could have made a false excuse, who could have lied, but it would have been a sign of hypocrisy, and it would have been a sign of evil. But rather, even though it was harder and more difficult, and we'll mention the story of the struggle and the trial that then he goes through as a result of this, he says that it is from the greatest blessings of Allah that I spoke the truth, that I never lied to the Prophet ﷺ, that I never sat in front of his face and said something that was untruthful. The desert Arabs are more obdurate in disbelief and hypocrisy than the people of cities. Since they are coarse and have, a, and have a rough nature and they are far from listening to the Quran. And more likely not to know the limits which Allah has sent down to His Messenger. The limits referred to are the rulings and laws Allah has revealed. Allah is all knowing of His creation, all wise in what He does to them. وَمِنَ الْأَعْرَابِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مَا يُنْفِقُ مَغْرَمًا وَيَتَرَبَّصُ بِكُمُ الدَّوَائِذِ Among the desert Arabs, there are some who regard what they give in the way of Allah as an imposition, meaning a fine and loss because they do not hope for any reward from it, but give it out of fear. This is a reference to the tribes of Banu Asad and Rapatan, and are waiting for your fortunes to change, meaning they are waiting for time to turn against you so that they are delivered from you. عَلَيْهِمْ دَائِرَةُ السَّوْءِ The evil, red as sawq and sawq, turn of fortune will be theirs. It will be their punishment and destruction, not yours. وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah is all hearing of what His slaves say, all knowing of what they do. 
ومن الأعراب من يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر. And among the desert Arabs, there are some who believe in Allah in the last day, such as Juhayna and Muzayna. وَيَتَّخِذُ مَا يُنْفِقُ قُرُبَاتٍ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَصَلَوَاتِ الرَّسُولِ And regard what they give in the way of Allah as something, meaning a means which will bring them nearer to Allah and to the prayers, meaning supplications of the Messenger for them. أَلَا إِنَّهَا قُرْبَةٌ لَهُمْ It, meaning their spending, does indeed bring them near. But as قُرْبَة and قُرْبَة سَيُدِخِنُهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي رَحْمَتِهِ Allah will admit them into His mercy, meaning His garden. إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Allah is ever forgiving to people who obey Him, most merciful to them. وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ The foreigners, the first of Muhajirun and Ansar, meaning those who were present at Badr for all of the companions, and those who have followed them until the day of rising and doing good actions, Allah is pleased with them for obeying Him, and they are pleased with Him, meaning with His reward. He has prepared gardens for them, with rivers flowing under them, read as Tajri Tahtaha and Tajri Min Tahtiha, remaining in them timelessly forever and ever. That is a great victory. In verse 100, the author Ta'ala says concerning the forerunners, the early Muhajirin and the Ansar, they are those who were present at Badr. And that is the statement of Ata, rahimahullah ta'ala. Another from amongst them, like Sa'id ibn Musayyib said, it refers to the companions who prayed the two Qiblas. Anyone who prayed the two Qiblas. So they were there in the Meccan period, and then they were there in the Medinan period when the Qibla changes. And others, for example, as Sha'bi, rahimahullah ta'ala said, it is those companions who pledged the pledge of Ridwan, Bay'atul Ridwan, which takes place in the sixth year of the Hijrah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. And so you have different opinions, and one opinion, as he mentions, rahimahullah, is that it refers to all of the companions. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Some of the desert Arabs around you, meaning people of Medina, are hypocrites, a reference to the tribes of Aslam, Ashda' and Ghifar. And some of the people of Medina are also hypocrites. And are obdurate in the hypocrisy, persisting and continuing in it. You, addressing the Prophet وسلم, do not know them, but we know them. We will punch them twice over by disgrace or killing in this world and punishment of the grave. And then they will be returned in the next world to a terrible punishment, meaning the fire. For others, meaning other people, have acknowledged their wrong actions in staying behind and mixed a right action, meaning their jihad, before that or the admission of their wrong actions or something else with another which is wrong, meaning staying behind. It may well be that Allah will turn towards them. Allah is ever forgiving, most merciful. This was revealed about Abu Lubaba and a group who tied themselves to the pillars of the mosque when they heard what had been revealed about those who stayed behind and swore that they would not be released except by the Prophet ﷺ who released them when it was revealed. And this narration is authentic in the Tabari. 
of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu made as a Hassan narration that from the, amongst the companions who didn't participate in the battle of Tabuk and they didn't have a valid excuse for not going is not just the three that Allah Azza wa Jal will refer to in a short while in one of the verses which is Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu and his two companions there were other companions that didn't participate and from them is Abu Lubaba and his group of which they were, it is said that there were about seven of them these companions also didn't have a valid excuse and what they chose to do in terms of showing their remorse and seeking forgiveness from Allah Azza wa Jalla and apologizing to the Prophet is that they came to the masjid of the Prophet and they tied themselves to the pillars and the posts of the masjid and they said we will not free ourselves until the Prophet comes and frees us himself meaning to show that we are forgiven so when the Prophet returned and he was told Abu Lubaba and these companions have done this in the masjid the Prophet said and as for me by Allah I will not free them until Allah tells me that they should be freed. So they were left until Allah Azza wa revealed this verse. And in this verse, as you can see, Allah Azza wa is saying that He will forgive them. So then the Prophet came and untied them. And so these are also some of the companions that went present in the Battle of Tabuk. And their story is slightly different to the three that Allah Azza wa will mention shortly. خذ من أموالهم صدقة تطهرهم وتزكيهم بها take zakat from their wealth to purify and cleanse them of their wrong actions وصلي عليهم and pray for them meaning make supplication for them he took a third of their property and gave it a صدقة إن صلاتك سكن لهم your prayers bring relief meaning are a mercy to them this is also said to mean peace of mind since their repentance has been accepted وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah is all-hearing, all-knowing. And it's mentioned in some of the narrations that when some of these companions, their tawbah was accepted, they said, O Messenger of Allah, we want to give our wealth away in charity because Allah has accepted our tawbah. That Prophet said, give some of it and keep some of it. Don't give all of it. أَلَمْ يَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ يَقْبَلُ التَّوْبَةَ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ وَيَأْخُذُ الصَّدَقَاتِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ do they not know that Allah accepts repentance from His slaves and acknowledges and accepts the zakat and that Allah is ever returning to His slaves in acceptance of their repentance, the most merciful to them? The question implies an affirmative answer and it is an encouragement to repentance and sadaqah. And just following on, sorry, from that verse in 103, it was the practice of the companions and one which is often neglected by us that at times of good news, the companions would give sadaqah. And often what we do in times of good news is we give, we give gifts and we exchange greetings and all of that is good and it's fine and it is something inshallah rewarding. But one thing that we neglect to do is the element of giving sadaqah. And you see that often in the Quran, uh, in the sunnah rather, of the Prophet ﷺ, that companions when they would receive good news or good tidings or something that they felt was positive, one of the ways that they would show their gratitude to Allah is by giving sadaqah. They would give some sadaqah. And that is something which then not only blesses further the wealth that you have or the blessing that you receive, it is one of the greatest ways of showing gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say to them or to people in general, act as you will, for Allah will see your actions and so will his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the believers. وَسَتُرَدُّونَ إِلَىٰ عَالِمِ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ You will be returned at the resurrection to the knower of the unseen and the visible, meaning Allah. And He will inform you regarding what you did and repay you. 
وآخرون مؤجون لأمر الله إما يعذبهم وإما يتوب عليهم and others meaning those who stay behind whose repentance is deferred are left awaiting read as مرجونة and مرجعونة are left awaiting Allah's command to do what he wills with them as to whether he will punish them by leaving them unrepentant or turn to them والله عليم حكيم Allah is all-knowing of his creation, all-wise in what he does to them. There were three men who will be mentioned shortly. Murara ibn al-Rabi' Murara, Murara ibn al-Rabi' ibn Rabi' Ka'b ibn Malik Hilal ibn Umayyah They stayed behind out of laziness and inclination to ease, not hypocrisy. They did not make the excuses to the Prophet wasallam as others did. The case remained suspended for 50 days and people shunned them until the time when Allah's acceptance of their repentance was revealed. And this will be mentioned shortly as the translator and the author Allah mentions. As for those among them who have set up a mosque, they were 12 of the hypocrites, causing harm to the people of the mosque of Quba and out of unbelief. Because they built it at the command of Abu Amir al-Rahib to be a fortress for him where people could come and go from him. He wanted to bring the armies of the Byzantine Emperor to fight the Prophet ﷺ to create division between the believers, meaning to divide those who prayed in the mosque of Quba by causing some of them to pray in their mosque. And in readiness for those, namely Abu Amir, who previously before it was built, made war on Allah and his Messenger ﷺ. They will swear we only desired the best by building it. We have done it out of kindness to the poor to give shelter from the rain and heat and to expand the Muslims. But Allah bears witness that they are truly liars about that. They asked the Prophet ﷺ to pray in it and then the following ayah was revealed. So verse 107 is a famous story that is mentioned in the majority of the books of Tafsir and there is an authentic narration of it in the Mu'jam of At-Tabarani. <coughs> and that is that there was a man by the name of Abu Amir. Abu Amir who is known as Al-Rahib and known as Al-Fasiq. A man who uh, was a non-Muslim but then he pretended to have some sort of Islam. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to build a place for him where he and his supporters could come and they could plan and they could plot but he wanted to do it under the guise of a masjid so that people wouldn't hold anything against him it's a place where they could openly meet and people think it's a masjid so no one thinks that anything untoward is going on so he commands the people of his area to build this masjid and then to give it legitimacy he asks the Prophet ﷺ to come and pray in it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposes its affair and Allah Azza wa Jal then or the Prophet rather commands the companions to knock it down. And that is what Allah Azza wa Jal says in 108, don't pray in it. لا تقم فيه أبدا Do not ever stand and pray in it. The Prophet sent a group to it and they destroyed and burned it and turned it into a rubbish heap where carrion was thrown. لَمَسْجِدٌ أُسِّسَ عَلَى التَّقْوَى مِنْ أَوَّلِ يَوْمٍ أَحَقُّ أَنْ تَقُومَ فِيهِ a mosque founded on fear of Allah from the first day, meaning built when the Prophet ﷺ first arrived in the abode of Hijrah, a reference to the mosque of Quba, as is stated in Al-Bukhari, has a, has a greater right than this one for you to stand and pray in it. In it, there are men, meaning the Ansar, who love to purify themselves. Allah loves those who purify themselves. 
This means he reward them. Ibn Khuzaymah related a hadith in the Sahih from Uwaymir ibn Sa'idah that says that the Prophet ﷺ came to the people in the mosque of Quba and said, Allah Almighty has praised you well for purity in his reference to your mosque. What is this purification which you practice? They said, By Allah, Messenger of Allah ﷺ, we do not know anything but that we have Jewish neighbors who used to wash their anuses after defecating, and so we wash as they wash. In a hadith which Al-Bazzar related, they said, We follow stones with water. Prophet said, that is it, you must do it too. So this verse in 108, Allah says, A mosque founded on fear of Allah from the first day. And in the opinion of a number of the scholars of tafsir, it refers to Masjid Quba and is referring to the hadith of Al-Bukhari that when the Prophet first came to Medina on the migration, he came to the area which is today Quba. And the Prophet stayed there for a number of days. He laid the foundation of the masjid. And then he proceeded to the city of Medina. And that masjid then became Masjid Quba. And it is a masjid, as we know, from other narrations that has a virtue in Islam. And the Prophet would go and visit it. And whoever prays there in the state of Tahara has the reward of Umrah. That is one position amongst the scholars of Tafsir. The second position concerning this masjid is that it refers to the masjid of the Prophet It's referring to Masjid al-Nabawi. And that's based on the hadith in Al-Bukhari of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu that he was asked by someone, do you know what, which masjid is being referred to concerning the first masjid built upon taqwa? He said, I asked the same question to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And the Prophet sallallahu struck the walls of his masjid and he said, it is this masjid. So you have these two different opinions amongst the scholars of tafsir. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah and ibn Kathir alayhi rahmatullah they combined between the two and they said that it means Masjid Quba. But then it also means Masjid al-Nabawi by virtue of Masjid al-Nabawi being better. So obviously if it is Masjid Quba, then clearly by Minbabi Awla, the Masjid of the Prophet has more right to be described in this manner. That is how we reconcile between those two statements. So it is referring to Masjid Quba. Why? Because the verse continues to speak about the Ansar, who lived in Quba and used to purify themselves, as is mentioned, in those narrations that are authentic. That they would clean themselves with dry and with water. They would stones and with water. They would make istinja. And that is why Allah Azza wa praises them. But also then, clearly, if Masjid Quba is a Masjid of Taqwa, then the mosque of the Prophet ﷺ has more right to that description because it has virtue that is greater than the Masjid of Quba. أَفَمَنْ أَسَّسَ بُنْيَانَهُ عَلَى تَقْوَى مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرِضْوَانٍ خَيْرٌ أَمْ مَنْ أَسَّسَ بُنْيَانَهُ عَلَى شَفَا جُرُفٍ هَارٍ فَانْهَارَ بِهِ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمٍ Who is better, someone who founds his building on fear of Allah and hope of his good pleasure, or someone who founds his building on the brink, read as juruf and juruf, of a crumbling, meaning about to fall, precipice, so that it collapses with him into the fire of hell. This is an excellent metaphor for someone who builds with an intention opposite fear of Allah. The question implies affirmation, meaning that clearly the former, meaning the mosque of Quba, is better than the latter, the mosque of harm. Wallahu la yahdi al-qawm al-zalimeen. Wallahu la yahdi Allah does not love wrongdoers. لا يزال بنيانهم الذي بنوا نيبة في قلوبهم إلا أن تقطع قلوبهم. The buildings they have built will not cease to be a bone of contention and a source of doubt in their hearts until their, tarts, their, until their hearts are cut to shreds and they die. Wallahu alimun hakim. 
Allah is all-knowing of his creation or wise in what he does to them. إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Allah has brought from the believers themselves and their wealth, which they expend in obedience to Allah and things like jihad in return for the garden. يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَيَقْتُلُونَ وَيُقْتَلُونَ They fight in the way of Allah and they kill and are killed. Read as, يَقْتُلُونَ وَيُقْتَلُونَ or as, يُقْتَلُونَ وَيَقْتُلُونَ are killed and killed. وَعْدًا عَلَيْهِ حَقًّا فِي التَّوْرَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ وَالْقُرْآنِ It is a promise binding on him in the Torah, the Gospel, and the Qur'an. وَمَنْ أَوْفَى بِعَهْدِهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ And who is truer to his contract than Allah? Meaning there is no one truer than Allah when he promises. فَاسْتَبْشِرُوا بِبَيْعِكُمُ الَّذِي بَايَعْتُمْ بِهِ Rejoice then, changing to the second person from the third, in the bargain you have made. وَذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ that transaction is a great victory which obtains a goal. In verse 111, the different qira'at is فَيَقْتُلُونَ وَيُقْتَلُونَ which is the way that we normally read and then Hamza and Kisa in Khalaf read فَيُقْتَلُونَ وَيَقْتُلُونَ They change the order. So the first one is you fight and you are fought meaning that the Muslims are the ones who initiate the battle like for example in the conquest of Mecca and Tabuk and so on. Or فَيُقْتَلُونَ وَيَقْتُلُونَ Or you are fought and you fight, meaning that you are defending yourselves like in Badr and in Uhud and so on. أَتَّائِبُونَ الْعَابِدُونَ الْحَامِدُونَ السَّائِحُونَ الرَّاكِعُونَ السَّاجِدُونَ الْآمِرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّاهُونَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَالْحَافِظُونَ لِحُدُودِ اللَّهِ Those who repent of shirk and hypocrisy, those who worship Allah sincerely, those who praise Him in every state, those who fast, those who bow, those who prostrate in prayer, those who command what is right, those who forbid the wrong, those who preserve the limits, meaning the rulings of Allah by acting according to them. Give good news of the garden to the believers. And this verse 112 is the description of the people of verse 111, those people who have bought themselves for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jalla. They've sold themselves for Allah's sake in return for Jannah. Allah goes on to describe them. What are they? Attributes and Allah Azza wa gives these attributes for them. Verse 113 The following was revealed about the Prophet وسلم, asking forgiveness for his uncle Abu Talib and some of the companions asking forgiveness for their idolatrous parents. It is not right for the Prophet ﷺ and those who believe to ask forgiveness for the idolaters even if they are close relatives after it has become clear to them that they are the companions of the blazing fire by their dying as unbelievers. And this narration of Abu Talib is mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari when Abu Talib was on his deathbed and the Prophet ﷺ came and some of the leaders of Quraysh were also there because Abu Talib was considered to be one of their leaders and their noblemen. And the Prophet ﷺ said, O oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah and I will use it in front of Allah to defend you on your behalf. And the Quraysh leaders said to Abu Talib, Will you forsake the religion of your father and your grandfather, your elders? And so he was being pulled in both of these ways. And at the end, Abu Talib refused to take the shahada, refused to accept Islam, and he died upon that state. The Prophet said, I will continue to make istighfar for him, seek Allah's forgiveness for him, so long as Allah does not forbid me. And then 
the narration says that this verse was revealed, meaning later on, that Allah Azza wa forbade the Prophet as well as all other Muslims to seek forgiveness for those people from their family members and others who have passed away on an apparent state of kufr. Allah Azza wa says, do not seek forgiveness for them. وَمَا كَانَ اسْتِغْفَارُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لِأَبِيهِ إِلَّا عَمْ مَوْعِدَةٍ وَعَدَهَا إِيَّا Ibrahim would not have asked forgiveness for his father but for a promise he made to him when he promised him. Meaning, I will ask my Lord to forgive you since he hoped that he would become Muslim. فَلَمَّا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ أَنَّهُ عَدُوٌ لِلَّهِ تَبَرَّأَ مِنْ And when it became clear to him that he was an enemy of Allah meaning when he died an unbeliever he renounced him. And stopped asking forgiveness for him. Ibrahim was tender-hearted, making much supplication and entreaty, and forbearing in the face of harm. And this verse, verse 114, speaks of Ibrahim doing the same for his father Azab. And this will come later on, more explicitly in Surah Al-Shu'ara, when he says, He says, Oh Allah, forgive my father, for indeed he was from the misguided. And then the Prophet Ibrahim was told to stop seeking forgiveness. And from the du'as that he made, as will also be mentioned in Surah Al-Shu'ara, وَلَا تُخْزِينِي يَوْمَ يُبْعَثُونَ Oh Allah, do not disgrace me on the day of judgment, meaning by allowing me to see my father be thrown into the fire of hell. In the hadith of Al-Bukhari of Abu Huraira radiallahu anh, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the Prophet Ibrahim will see his father on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and his father's face will be darkened and dusty. And he will say to Allah, the Prophet Ibrahim, Oh Allah, did you not promise me that you would not disgrace me on this day? Which disgrace is greater than seeing one's own father being thrown into the fire? And so Allah Azza wa from the ways that he will honor that Prophet Ibrahim on that day, because the Prophet Ibrahim will have a number of honors on Yom Al-Qiyamah from them, is that he will be the first to be clothed. As is mentioned in the authentic hadith, Awwal man yuksa Yom Al-Qiyamah, the first one to be clothed, is the Prophet Ibrahim because everyone will be resurrected naked, barefooted, uncircumcised. He will be the first one to be clothed. And from what Allah will give him from his honors on Yawm Al-Qiyamah is that Allah Azza wa will then see to him after he makes this statement what disgrace is greater than seeing one's own father being thrown into the fire. Look again at him and Allah will have changed him into a ram. And that ram will be taken by its legs and thrown into the fire. So he will be spared the memory of seeing his father being thrown into the fire. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِلَّ قَوْمًا بَعْدَ إِذْهَدَاهُمْ حَتَّى يُبَيِّنَ لَهُمْ مَا يَتَّقُونَ Allah would never misguide a people after guiding them to Islam until he made it clear to them how to fear Allah in action, which they failed to do, so they deserve to be misguided. إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Allah has knowledge of all things, including those who deserve guidance and misguidance. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Allah is He to whom the kingdom of the heavens and earth belongs. He gives life and causes to die. وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن وَلِيٍّ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ You, mankind, have no protector or helper besides Allah against Him. لَقَدْ تَابَ اللَّهُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ الَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُ فِي سَاعَةِ الْعُسْرَةِ Allah has turned constantly towards the Prophet وسلم, and the Muhajirun and the Ansar, those who followed him at the time of difficulty. The time of the Tabuk expedition when two men would share, on one, would share one date and ten would take turns on one camel. The heat was so intense that they drank the contents of the camel's stomach. 
من بعد ما كاد يزيغ قلوب فريق منهم after the hearts of a group of them had almost deviated read as yazigu and tazigu almost turned away from following him to staying behind because of the hardship thumma taba alayhim then he meaning allah turned towards them by making them firm innahu bihim raufur rahim he is all gentle most merciful to them wa ala thalathati alladhina khulifu and he also turned towards the three who were left behind from his turning to them حتى إذا ضاقت عليهم الأرض بما رحبت so that when the earth became narrow for them for all its great breadth and they could not find any place where they were at peace وضاقت عليهم أنفسهم and their own selves became constricted for them their hearts were full of sorrow and alienation at the delay of their acceptance and they felt no joy or friendliness وظنوا ألا ملجأ من الله إلا إليه and they realized and were certain that there was no refuge from Allah except in him thumma taba alayhim liyatubu he turned to them and gave them success in repenting so that they may turn, so that they might turn to him inna allaha huwa at-tawwabur rahim allah is ever returning the most merciful and this verse 118 then speaks explicitly about the repentance of those three companions that missed the battle of tabuk and it's mentioned in a very long narration in Sayyid al-Bukhari which I will mention some of its points or summarize some of its points is the narration of his son Abdurrahman ibn Ka'ab ibn Malik that he narrates the story from his father radiyallahu anhu and his father says that when the call came for the battle of, of Tabuk he says that I never missed a battle before Ka'ab ibn Malik never missed a battle before except for Badr, he wasn't in Badr but Badr wasn't a battle where the Prophet ﷺ told the companions to go out to fight they went to intercept, intercept a caravan and then it changed so some of the companions didn't go out because it wasn't a call to war as the other battles were and Ka'b ibn Malik says I was from the companions that gave the pledge of allegiance at Aqaba meaning when the Prophet ﷺ was in the Meccan period I was from amongst those companions who went and gave him the pledge of allegiance and promised him asylum and gave him safety in Medina. So he is a senior companion and one of the early Muslims amongst the Ansar. Ka'b ibn Malik is known for his seniority amongst the Ansar radiallahu anhu arda. Ka'b ibn Malik says when the call came for this particular battle, I never had more wealth in, more in my life, nor was I better prepared and able to go and participate in a battle than this battle. But I just became busy and I thought to myself that there is plenty of time the call came from the Prophet ﷺ, get ready for the battle. I thought there's plenty of time. And every day as the battle would draw closer and the people would gather and prepare themselves, I would continue to procrastinate. Continue to say, I have time. Be busy with my other affairs. So this continued over and over again until the call came that the battle is leaving, the army is leaving tomorrow. And they were going to go and camp somewhere. So I thought to myself, I have time. They're going to leave and camp and everyone come and regroup themselves and then they're going to leave, I have time. So I continued to delay. And then the army set out. They've grouped up. They've come together and they've set out. So I thought to myself, I am one man and they are a big army. They will leave and I will catch up afterwards. And I continued to delay and delay and delay until it was too late. Too late for me to go, too late for me to catch the battle. And then the Prophet is now returning. And the Prophet ﷺ is coming and he thinks, to my, he thinks to himself, should I go and make an excuse in front of him? 
Or should I tell him the truth? And that's the narration that I mentioned with Tabari. That he goes, and whilst all these hypocrites are coming in their 80 odd number, giving false excuses, making their excuses, the Prophet is accepting. Ka'b ibn Mali comes and he sits in front of the Prophet And he says, O oh, Messenger of Allah, I could make any excuse to you. And I could say something that you would accept. And I am a man who has been given eloquence that I can argue my case. But I know that if I tell you something that is wrong today, Allah will expose me. Or even if you accept it from me, then Allah will punish me, punish me for it on the day of judgment. The truth is, O oh, Messenger of Allah, that I was never better prepared. Never had more wealth in my life than I did for this battle. But I just didn't go out for no valid reason. Just laziness, just delaying the issue. I didn't go out. The Prophet said, as for this one, he is truthful. So go back until Allah reveals something about your case. So he left. And he asked the other people, am I the only one in this situation? Or is there someone else similar to me? They said in your particular situation, there are two other people. That the author, has also already mentioned. Marara ibn al-Rabi' al-Amiri and Hilal ibn Umayyah al-Waqifi. Two other companions. Ka'b ibn Malik says that it would take 50 nights for this particular verse 118 of his repentance to be revealed. During those 50 nights, the Muslims boycott him. No one speaks to him. He says, as for my two companions, uh, Marara and Hilal ibn Umayyah, they would sit at home and they would just cry. They were upset. They were sorrowful. They were extremely upset that Allah hasn't revealed their repentance. He said, as for me, I was a bit bolder. I would still go to the masjid and I would still pray and I would enter the masjid and I would give salam to the Prophet and I wouldn't know has he replied or not, did he move his lips or not and I would pray in the masjid in front of the companions and I would see that from the corner of my eye that the Prophet would look towards me but if I finish my prayer and look towards him he would turn away. And this is how he continued. He would walk in the marketplace in Medina, go around the city of Medina. No one would speak to him. He said, I went to my cousin Abu Qatada, and I gave him salams and he wouldn't reply. And I gave it the second time, he wouldn't reply. A third time, he didn't reply. And I said to him, Oh Abu Qatada, don't you know that I am a person who loves Allah, loves his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam? And Abu Qatada replied, Allah and his messenger know best. That's how serious he became. He says, after 40 of the 50 nights, the Prophet ﷺ commanded our wives to separate from us. Not to divorce, but to separate. So they separated from us. So now he's cut off from everyone. 50 nights he continued in this way. Until on the 50th night after Fajr prayer, as he was praying at home, someone came and said, Oh Ka'ab, come, for something has been released, have good news, come for the Prophet ﷺ wants to speak to you. Ka'ab said, I knew then that Allah has revealed my tawbah. Allah has accepted it from me. So I fell into prostration. And I wore my nice clothes. And I went into the masjid of the Prophet He says, no one from the muhajireen, from the Meccan companions, stood up to greet me and congratulate me except Talha ibn Ubaidillah radiallahu anhu. The son of Ka'b ibn Malik says, my father will never forget this from him. That he was the only one that would stand up to greet him from the Mahajireen. He never forgot this about him. He said, I went and I sat in front of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ was extremely happy. He said, we would know from the illumination of his face when the Prophet ﷺ was extremely happy. And on that day he was extremely happy. And he said to me, O oh, Ka'ab, Allah has revealed Quran about you. 
and about your companions. He's revealed your repentance. I said on Messenger of Allah, to you or to everyone, meaning is it Quran or just revelation that you received? He said it is Quran. And that is a summarized version. It is a long narration in Sayyid al-Bukhari. And so Allah Azza wa accepts the repentance of these three companions that he mentions in verse 118. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين. You who believe, be fearful of Allah by not disobeying Him and be with the truly sincere in respect of their faith and in respect of their contracts by their clinging to truthfulness. ما كان لأهل المدينة ومن حولهم من الأعراب أن يتخلفوا عن رسول الله ولا يرغبوا بأنفسهم عن نفسه. It was not for people of Medina and the desert Arabs around them. To remain behind the Messenger of Allah وسلم, when he went on an expedition or to prefer themselves to him by protecting themselves from the hardships he was happy to undergo himself. This is a prohibition in the form of a report. وَلَا يَنَالُونَ مِنْ عَدُوٍ نَيْلًا إِلَّا كُتِبَ لَهُمْ بِهِ عَمَلٌ صَالِحٌ That prohibition against staying behind is because no thirst or weariness or hunger will afflict them in the way of Allah. Nor will they take any, a single step to infuriate the unbelievers, nor secure any gain, meaning killing, capture, or booty, from the enemy of Allah, without a right action being written down for them because of it, for which they will be rewarded. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجَرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Allah does not let the wage of the good doers go to waste. They will definitely receive their wages and will be rewarded. Nor will they give away any amount in pursuance of that aim, whether large or small, even as little as it aches, nor will they cross any valley without it being written down for them as a righteous action. So that Allah can recompense them for the best of what they did. And that is from the amazing mercy of Allah Azza wa and His reward. That when someone intends to do something good, then even the footsteps leading up to the action is rewarded. So if someone goes to the pursuit of seeking knowledge and they have to walk to the masjid or drive to the masjid or travel to a different land, Allah Azza wa rewards them for that effort and for those steps that they take in the path of Allah Azza wa Likewise, the person who walks to the masjid for salah and so on and so forth. Verse 122 When they were rebuked for not going out and the Prophet ﷺ sent an expedition, they all went out without exception. And then this was revealed. It is not necessary for the believers to go out altogether on an expedition. Party from each group, meaning tribe of them, were to go out, while the others remained behind so they could increase their knowledge of the deen. They would be able to notify their people when they returned to them from the expedition, when they could teach them the rulings they had learned, so that perhaps they would take warning of the punishment of Allah and obey His commands and avoid what He has prohibited. Ibn Abbas said this was specific to expeditions of the Prophet. This was specific to expeditions the Prophet ﷺ sent out. The preceding passage concerned staying behind expeditions in which the Prophet ﷺ went out. So this verse is used often by the scholars 
as one of the greatest virtues and proofs of seeking knowledge and its importance. Because Allah is saying that if the Prophet himself isn't going out towards a battle for Palestinian expedition, then it's not correct that everyone, all of the companions leave. Because by all leaving, who is there to preserve the sunnah? Who is there to record the actions, the statements of the Prophet So some of you should stay back in order to learn, so that they, they can teach those who are absent during that time. And that's why the scholars say that seeking knowledge in any community is fawdu kifaya, by evidence of this verse. It is a collective obligation. Every Muslim community needs amongst them people who can teach others Qur'an, who know the rulings of Islam, who know the rulings that the people need of divorce and prayer and inheritance and so on, in order for them to be able to function. And that is why it is so important for us in our communities, especially in the West, to ensure that we continue that tradition of having amongst our youngsters and our youth and our children those who will fulfill this obligation. Because if we don't, then all of us are equally sinful. All of us become sinful. But these people, by doing, even if there's only a handful of them, they lift off an obligation from all of us. And so they perform a duty that is an obligation upon all of us. We need people who know how to lead the janazah, how to wash the dead, how to shroud them, all of these different issues that our religion requires, how to make tafsir of the Qur'an. All of this is extremely important. And so Allah Azza wa is giving this instruction to the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu and therefore by extension it applies to everyone who comes after them. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قَاتِلُوا الَّذِينَ يَلُونَكُمْ مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ وَلْيَجِدُوا فِيكُمْ غِلْظَةِ You who believe, fight those of the unbelievers who are near to you. Meaning fight the nearest and then the next nearest. And let them find you implacable and severe towards them. وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Know that Allah is with those who are fearful of Him with help and victory. وَإِذَا مَا أُنْزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ أَيُّكُمْ زَادَتْهُ هَذِهِ إِيمَانًا Each time a surah of the Qur'an is sent down, there are some among them, meaning the hypocrites who say to their companions in mockery, which of you has this increased in faith and confirmation? Allah says, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَزَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا وَهُمْ يَسْتَبْشِرُونَ as for those who believe, it increases them in faith and confirmation of it, and they rejoice at it. And this is another proof from the Qur'an about the increase of Iman. The Iman increases and decreases. Allah Azza wa says, As for those who believe, they would have an increase in faith, which shows the correctness of the position of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, that Iman is something which increases with good deeds and decreases with evil deeds. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَتْهُمْ رِجْسًا إِلَى رِجْسِهِمْ وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ But as for those with sickness, meaning weakness of belief in their hearts, it adds defilement to their defilement, unbelief added to their existing unbelief, and they die unbelievers. أَوَلَا يَرَوْنَ أَنَّهُمْ يُفْتَنُونَ فِي كُلِّ عَامٍ مَرَّةً أَوْ مَرَّتَيْنَ do they not see, Rajaz, Yarona, referring to the hypocrites, and Tarona, you see, referring to the believers, that they are tried once or twice with drought and illnesses in every year. But still, they do not turn back on their hypocrisy. They do not pay heed and are not warned. And Allah Azza wa as He says in verse 126, often sends challenges and calamities and trials to people as a reminder for them. That perhaps they will turn back to Allah, perhaps they'll take heed, 
And so the believer is the one who when they face a challenge and they overcome by some type of calamity or trial, it takes them back to Allah, reminds them of Allah, draws them closer to Allah And if it doesn't do that in times of difficulty and trial, then that is a sign of some potential evil. And that a person should be fearful from that their heart doesn't take heed even those times of extreme difficulty. Because Allah says that even the Quraysh at times of extreme difficulty will turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is not the sign of Iman, but it shows that it is something which calamity does. It makes you think of your own mortality and it makes you think of one who is greater than you in power. وَإِذَا مَا أُنزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ نَظَرَ بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَى بَعْضٍ هَلْ يَرَاكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ Each time a surah is sent down in which they are mentioned and which the Prophet ﷺ recites, they look at one another, wanting to run away, implying, can anyone see you when you get up? If no one saw them, they would get up. Otherwise, they would remain where they were. Then, they turn away to unbelief. Allah has turned their hearts away from guidance, because they are people who do not understand the truth, since they do not reflect. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ A messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has come to you from among yourselves. عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِتُمْ Your suffering is very distressing to him when you encounter hardships and things you dislike. حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ He's deeply concerned for you, meaning for your guidance. بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ He is gentle with great compassion. And merciful to the believers, desiring good for them. And this shows the amazing character of the Prophet ﷺ by Allah's testimony in the Quran. That the Prophet ﷺ was someone who was genuinely had a concern for his people and loved them and cared for them and was extremely kind and merciful to them. And when he was harsh with them, it's because he wanted good for them. And he wanted them to be better and to improve and to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهِ But if they turn away from believing in you, say, Allah is enough for me. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا There is no God but Him. عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْ I have put my trust in Him. Meaning, I only trust in Him and no one else. وَهُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ He is the Lord of the mighty throne. The throne is mighty because it is the largest of created things. Al-Hakim related in Al-Mustadrak from Ubay ibn Ka'ab that the last ayah to be revealed was a messenger has come to the end of the ayah. And that is the last verse of Surah At-Tawbah. And the author Ta'ala mentions the throne and its size. And that's the hadith that we already mentioned concerning the footstool of Allah and it's like a ring thrown in a desert and then the throne of Allah likewise in terms of its relation to the footstool, the kursi. And as he reports from Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu, Ubay ibn Ka'ab said that these are the last verses that Allah Azza wa revealed in the Quran. And we already mentioned the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah of the opinion of Al-Bara' ibn Azib radiallahu anhu, which shows that there is some difference of opinion amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa concerning what is the last verse that Allah Azza wa revealed in the Quran. And the scholars have a number of approaches on to how to reconcile between them. Surah Yunus. Jonah. This surah is Meccan except for Ayat 40, 94, 95 and 96 which are Medina. It has 109 or 110 Ayat and was revealed after Surah Al-Isra. So the 10th surah of the Quran is a surah that is named after the Prophet Yunus alayhi salatu wassalam. And the reason why it is named after Yunus alayhi salam will become apparent towards the end of the surah when Allah speaks about this Prophet whose name is Yunus 
Ibn Matta alayhi salatu wassalam. It is a Makki surah according to the vast majority of the scholars of, of Tafsir, uh, as mentioned by Ibn Kathir and others, with the exception, as some of them said, of these two or three verses. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu is one of those people who said that there are some exceptions to the Makki nature of this surah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alif Allah knows best what these letters mean. Tilka ayatul kitabil hakim. Those ayat are the signs of the wise. Here meaning mastery and perfect book, meaning the Quran. Akana ninna si ajadan an amuhayna ila rajulin minhum an amdirinas. To people, meaning the people of Mecca, and this is a question demanding a negative response. Find it surprising that we should reveal to a man among them, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, warn mankind, meaning make the believers fear make the unbelievers fear the punishment. And give good news to those who believe that they have an excellent reward for the actions which they have already done and that they are on a sure footing with their Lord. The unbelievers say, this is clearly a magician. The unbelievers say, this is clearly a magician. Read as sahib and also sihr. In which case, the meaning is, this is downright magic. Implying that the Quran contains that. Your Lord is Allah, who created the heavens and the earth in six days, an indication of the time involved, although it was before the creation of the sun or moon. If Allah had wished, He could have created them in an instant, but He did not do so in order to teach His creation how to be firm. And then established Himself firmly on the throne, in a manner appropriate to Him. He directs the whole affair between his creatures. No one can intercede for someone else except with his permission. This refutes the idolaters' statement that idols intercede. That managing creator is Allah, your Lord. So worship him and proclaim his unity. Will you not pay heed? And in verse number three, we see concerning the author's statement about Allah establishing himself upon the throne, meaning above the throne he says in a manner appropriate to him and that is the correct tafsir and the correct belief regarding that <coughs> each and every one of you will return to him Allah's promise is true he, brothers, innahu and annahu, brings creation out of nothing and originates it and then regenerates it at the resurrection. So that he may repay with justice and reward those who believed and did right actions. Those who disbelieved would have scalding water to drink and a painful punishment because of their unbelief. It is he who appointed the sun to give radiance, meaning light, and the moon to give light. 
وقدره منازل لتعلموا عدد السنين والحساب. Assigning it phases, meaning 28 phases, one for every night of the month. It is concealed for two nights if the month is 30 days, or for one night if it is 29 days. So that, so that by that you would know the number of years and the reckoning of time. ما خلق الله ذلك إلا بالحق. Allah did not create these things except with truth. These things were not created without a purpose. He makes the signs clear for people who know and reflect. Read as يُفَصِّلُ and نُفَصِّلُ We make clear. إِنَّ فِي اخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَمَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَّقُونَ In the alternation of night and day, meaning the coming and going of night and day, and the shortening and lengthening, and what, meaning angels, sun, moon, stars, Allah has created in the heavens of in the heavens and on earth, meaning animals, mountains, seas, rivers, trees. There are signs which indicate the power of Allah for people who are God-fearing, who are fearful of Him and believe in Him. They are mentioned in particular because it is they who most benefit from these signs. As for those who do not expect to meet us at the resurrection and are content with the life of this world rather than the next world since they deny it and at rest in it, meaning relying on it and those who are heedless of our signs which indicate our oneness and fail to look at them Their shelter will be the fire because of what? Meaning the shirk and acts of disobedience they committed because of what they earned إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ يَهْدِيهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِإِيمَانِهِمْ But as for those who believe and do right actions, the Lord will guide them by their faith in Him. He will appoint a light for them by which they are guided on the day of rising. تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهِمُ الْأَنْهَارُ فِي جَنَّاتِ النَّعِيمِ Rivers will flow under them in gardens of delight. دَعْوَاهُمْ فِيهَا سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمْ They call, there is, Meaning all they want to do in the garden is to say, Glory be to you, O Allah. When they seek him, they will find him in front of them. Their greeting there to one another is peace. The end of their call is, Praise be to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds. Then the desire of the idolaters to hasten the punishment is commented on. Allah in these verses 9 and 10 speaks about the state of the believers in Jannah. And how the believers in Jannah will be people who as they enter will glorify Allah and they will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their greeting amongst themselves will be the salam which shows that even in Jannah the people will continue to praise Allah and glorify Allah and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the hadith in Sahih Muslim of Jabir radiallahu anhu the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the people of Jannah will make tasbih and tahmeed will glorify and praise Allah as they breathe Meaning that it will be something which is common and something which is as regular occurrence to them as they breathe. And that is because Allah Azza wa Jal is deserving of that glorification and that praise subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَوْ يُعَجِّنُ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ الشَّرَّ اسْتِعْجَالَهُمْ بِالْخَيْرِ لَقُوْيَ إِلَيْهِمْ أَجَلُهُمْ If Allah would hasten evil for people the way they try to hasten good, their term, read as أَجَلُهُمْ and أَجَلَهُمْ would already have been completed. Whereas Fudya and Qadha already have been completed for them. And they would have been destroyed, but he grants them a delay. 
فَنَذَرُ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا فِي طُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ The abandoned those who do not expect to meet us, to wander blindly in confusion in their excessive insolence. وَإِذَا مَسَّ الْإِنسَانَ الضُّرُّ دَعَانَا لِجَنْبِهِ أَوْ قَاعِدًا أَوْ قَائِمًا When harm, meaning illness or poverty, touches an unbelieving man, he calls on us, lying on his side or sitting down or standing up. In other words, in every state. فَلَمَّا كَشَفْنَا عَنْهُمْ ضُرَّهُ مَرَّكَ أَلَّمْ يَدْعُنَا إِلَى ضُرٍ مَسَّهِ Then, when we remove the harm from him, he carries on with his unbelief, as if he had never called on us when the harm first touched him. So it seems good to him to make supplication to Allah when in difficulty and to turn away from Allah in, terms, in times of ease. كَذَانِكَ زُيِّنَ لِلْمُسْرِفِينَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ In that way, we make what they have done appear good to the profligate, meaning the idolaters. In verse 12, that's because the Quraysh and the disbelievers were people who affirmed Allah's rububiyyah. They affirmed that Allah Azza wa Jal is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death, the one who grants harm and good. And Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who controls the universe. So because they acknowledged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those attributes and in that position, they understood that ultimately Allah Azza wa Jal has power over them and even amongst their idols. The problem today is, unfortunately, with some Muslims who don't believe even that. And they think that those that they ask besides Allah, whether it's a righteous person or the Prophet wasallam or someone else, have control of the universe. They can grant an extension to your lifespan. They can give you a child. They can grant you some harm or some good. They can determine aspects of life and death. And that shows that it is a worse form of kufr and disbelief and uh, ignorance about Allah Azza wa Jal than even some of the aspects that were common amongst the Quraysh. وَلَقَدْ أَهْلَكْنَا الْقُرُونَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَمَّا ظَلَمُوا وَجَاءَتْهُمْ مُسُلُهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ وَمَا كَانُوا لِيُؤْمِنُوا We destroyed generations, meaning nations, before you, people of Mecca, when they did wrong by committing shirk. Their messengers brought them the clear signs which demonstrate their truthfulness, but they were never going to believe. كَذَلِكَ نَجَزِي الْقَوْمَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ That, meaning the way that we destroy the earlier generations, is how we repay evildoers. ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ خَلَائِفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ لِنَنْظُرَ كَيْفَ تَعْمَلُونَ Then we appointed you, meaning people of Mecca, after them to be deputies on the earth, so we, so we might observe how you will act, to see if you'll take note of the signs and confirm our messengers. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا بَيِّنَاتٍ قَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا أَتِي بِقُرْآنٍ غَيْرِ هَذَا أَوْ بَدِّلُ When our clear manifest signs, meaning the Qur'an, are recited to them, those who do not expect to meet us and therefore do not fear the resurrection say, bring a Qur'an other than this one, which does not criticize our gods or change it yourself. قُلْ مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أُبَدِّلَهُ مِنْ تِلْقَاءِ نَفْسِي Say to them, it is not appropriate for me to change it of my own accord. إِنْ أَتَّبِعُ إِلَّا مَا يُوحَى إِلَيْهِ I follow nothing except what is revealed to me. إِنِّي أَخَافُ إِنْ عَصَيْتُ رَبِّ عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ I fear were I to disobey my Lord by changing it, the punishment of a dreadful day, meaning the day of rising. قُلْ لَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ مَا تَلَوْتُهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَلَا أَدْرَاكُمْ بِهِ Say, had Allah so wished, I would not have recited it, meaning the Qur'an to you, nor would he have made it known to you. Read as, لَا أَدْرَاكُمْ and لَا أَدْرَاكُمْ He would have informed you of it on the tongue of someone other than me. فَقَدْ لَبِثْتُ فِيكُمْ عُمُرًا مِّنْ قَبْلِهِ 
I lived among you for many, meaning 40 years, before it came, without telling you anything. Will you not use your intellect and understand that it does not come from me? Verse 16, and that is from the wisdom of Allah Azza wa Jalla sending prophets who came from their nations. As Allah says in Surah Ibrahim, we never sent a messenger except that he spoke the tongue of his people, meaning that he was from them. As Allah Azza wa Jalla has mentioned in the, in the surah, in the verses that we took in Surah Al-Araf, وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا ثَمُودَ أَخَاهُمْ صَالِحًا مَدْيَنَ أَخَاهُمْ شُعِيبًا To these people we sent to them their brother, Hud, their brother, Salih, their brother, Shu'ib. And that's because they live there, they grow up there, the people know their families, they know their backgrounds, they know their character, they know their integrity, they know their honesty. So now when they bring this message from Allah Azza wa it's not a stranger that no one's heard of, no one knows their background, no one knows where they come from, no one knows their history. These are people who they know concerning them and their story and their generations. And so they have no reason to refuse them. And likewise with the situation of the Prophet ﷺ, he's known, his family is known, his grandfather's known, his ancestors are known, their position amongst Quraysh is well established and known. The Prophet ﷺ and his character is known. And that's why the hadith of Sahih Bukhari, when Abu Sufyan goes to the Roman Caesar, the Byzantine Emperor, and one of the questions he's asked is, do you know that this man is a liar? And Abu Sufyan said, no. He's not a man known to lie amongst us. And he asked him, did one of his parents claim kinghood or prophethood before? And Abu Sufyan said, no. They didn't claim any such thing before. Hiraqal, later on, when he's commenting on the answers of Abu Sufyan, he says to him, that had you told me that he's a liar, then I wouldn't have believed him. But you said he doesn't lie. So why would someone who doesn't lie to people lie about Allah? If someone isn't lying to the people around him, why would he lie about Allah Azza wa And I asked you, are his parents people who are were either kings or king, kinghood or prophethood? And he said, no. Had you said yes, I would have thought that this is a man who's claiming something that was lost to his family. So everything that the Prophet ﷺ was given in terms of his upbringing, his family, the people around him, his character, was a testament to his truthfulness that the Quraysh before his Prophet attested to themselves. And that is where Allah Azza says, فَقَدْ لَبِثْتُ فِيكُمْ عُمُرًا مِّنْ قَبْلِهِ I have lived amongst you for many years. أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Will you not then reflect? <coughs> فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنِ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا أَوْ كَذَّبَ بِآيَاتِهِ Who could do greater wrong, meaning no one could, than someone who invents lies against Allah by attributing a partner to Allah, or denies his signs, meaning the Qur'an. إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ Evildoers, meaning idolaters, are certainly not successful. وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَيَقُولُونَ هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاءُنَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ They worship instead of Allah, what can neither harm them if they do not worship them, nor help them if they do worship them. Saying about them, these are our intercessors with Allah. قُلْ أَتُنَبِّئُونَ اللَّهَ بِمَا لَا يَعْلَمُ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Say to them, would you, inform, would you inform Allah of something about which he does not know either in the heavens or on the earth? The question asked is one demanding a negative response. If Allah had had a partner, he would have known it since nothing is concealed from him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala amma yushrikuhun. May he be glorified and exalted above what they associate with him. وَمَا كَانَ النَّاسُ إِلَّا أُمَّةً وَاحِدَةً فَاخْتَلَفُوا 
mankind was only one community with a single deen, which was Islam from Adam until Nuh, or from Ibrahim to Amr ibn Luhayn. But then they differed, when some remained firm and some disbelieved. And had it not been for a prior word from your Lord to defer repayment for their actions until the day of rising, they would have already been judged in this world in respect of the differences between them in the deen by the punishment of the unbelievers. But the author mentions in verse 19 in his commentary about mankind being only one community. We know from the time of Adam until the time of Nuh that the people were upon Tawheed. And then he mentions from Ibrahim to Amr ibn Luhay. And Ibrahim salam and Ismail salam, as we know established the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his worship. And the scholars say that the first one to bring or change the origin of Ibrahim was this man, Amr ibn Luhay. That he went to Asham, to the greatest Syria province, and he saw people worshipping idols. And so he became impressed with them and their rationale behind worshipping those idols. So he bought some of them and he transported them to Mecca. And he was the first one to establish that practice amongst the Meccans. And that's why in the hadith in Al-Bukhari in Muslim, the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, I saw Amr ibn Luhay carrying and dragging his intestines, his innards, in the fire of hell. That is his punishment, because he was the first one to introduce that concept amongst the Arabs, and it was from him that polytheism became rampant and rife amongst them. وَيَقُولُونَ لَوْ لَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّهِ They, meaning the people of Mecca, say Why has this sign not been sent down to him? Meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from his Lord Like past prophets who had signs such as the she-camel and the staff and the white hand فَقُلْ إِنَّمَا الْغَيْبُ لِلَّهِ Say to them, the unseen, meaning the business of the unseen which is invisible to human beings Belongs to Allah alone It includes the signs and only He can bring them My task is only to convey the message so wait for the punishment if you do not believe. I am waiting with you. When we let people, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, taste mercy, meaning rain and fertility after hardship, meaning difficulty and drought, has afflicted them, immediately they plot against our signs by mockery and denial. Say to them, Allah is swifter at plotting as a repayment. Your plotting, radaz, tamkurun, and yamkurun, their plotting is recorded by our messengers, meaning the recording angels. In verse 21, Allah is saying that this was the reality of the Quraysh. That in times of drought and famine, they would ask Allah, they would turn to Allah, and they would seek from Allah. And then when Allah Azza would grant them rain and bring them relief, they would turn back to their idol worship. As the Prophet said, وسلم, in the hadith of Sahih Bukhari, that one day he led the companions in Fajr. And then he turned around and he said to them, Do you know what your Lord said? They said, Allah and His Messenger knows best. He said, This morning, Allah says, This morning, the people that have woken up, from amongst them are those who believe in me and those who disbelieve. As for the one who says, and rain had descended the previous night in Medina, as for the one who says that we have rain by Allah's blessing and by His mercy, then that person is a believer in me, a disbeliever in the stars. And the one who says that we received rain because of such and such a star, 
they have believed in that star and disbelieved in me. And that was the situation of the Quraysh, that they would worship Allah in terms in times of difficulty and they would turn away from Allah in times of ease. It is he who conveys you, read as you say Yirukum, but in one reading, as Yanshurukum, distributes you on both land and sea. Hatta Ida Kuntum fil Pulki Wajarayna Bihim Birihim Tayibatim Wafarihubiha. So that when some of you are on a boat running before a fair, meaning gentle wind, rejoicing at it, there is a change of person midway in this verse from second to third person. And then a violence, the word means so fiercely strong that it smashes everything. Squall comes upon them and the waves come at them from every side and they realize there is no way of escape and that they are about to be destroyed. They call on Allah, making their deen, meaning supplication, sincerely His. If you rescue us from this terror, we will truly be among the thankful who affirm the divine unity. But then, when He does rescue them, they become rebellious and commit shirk in the earth without any right to do so. Ya Mankind, your rebelliousness is only against yourselves because its sin will rebound on you. There is enjoyment of the life of this world, read as Mata'a and Mata'u, which you will enjoy for a short time only. And then you will return to us after death, and we will inform you about what you did and repay you for it. إِنَّمَا مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَاءٍ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ The likeness of the life of this world is that of water, meaning rain, which we send down from the sky, and which then mingles with the plants of the earth, and they combine. مِمَّا يَأْكُلُ النَّاسُ وَالْأَنْعَامِ provide food for both people and animals, such as wheat, barley, and other crops for human consumption, and fodder for animals. Then, when the earth is at its loveliest and takes on its fairest skies, when the, meaning when the plants are abundant on it, and its people think they have it under their control and will be able to harvest its fruits, our command, meaning our decree or punishment, comes upon it by night, by night or day, and we reduce it, meaning the plant life, to dried out stubble, as if it had been mown down its sides, as though it had not been flourishing just the day before. In this way, we make our signs clear for people to reflect. And in verse 24, how much we can use that same parable that Allah Azza gives to our situation today, when many of us had planned things for the next month, two months, three months, six months, a year, and then because of the current situation and this pandemic that we're in, everything stops and everything changes and everyone's plans and what they had within their itinerary and what they had within their mindset out for themselves over the coming months has completely transformed because of something that Allah Azza wa decreed upon them. 
and that is always why the believer is the one who trusts in Allah and trusts in Allah's decree and tends to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowing that whilst they plan and they plan with the best of intentions, they also submit their affairs to Allah knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who decrees all. You will nothing except that Allah must will it before, for He is the Lord of the worlds. Wallahu yad'u ila salam Allah calls to the abode of peace, meaning the garden by calling people to faith. And he guides whom he wills to a straight path, meaning the deen of Islam. Those who do good by believing will have the best, meaning the garden, and more, such as the vision of the Almighty, as mentioned in the hadith of Muslim. In the dust, nor debasement will darken their faces. They shall be the companions of the garden. Remaining in it timelessly forever. In this verse number 26, this is the verse that in the Quran establishes the reward for the people of the Jannah that they will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah. By Allah's permission. And as Asyuti Rahimullah Ta'ala says, Allah Azza promises them good, which is the garden, meaning paradise, and more, the increase, which is to see them within the garden, to see him in the garden of paradise uh, when they enter into Jannah. And that is the position of the vast majority of the scholars of Tafsir. And it's mentioned in the hadith of Sahih Muslim of Sahib Ibn Sinan radiallahu anhu. That the Prophet said when the people of Jannah enter into Jannah and the people of the fire enter into the fire, a caller will call out to the people of Jannah, you have an appointment with your Lord. And they will come and they will say, what more could Allah give us? He has illuminated our faces, He has made our scales of good deeds heavy and He has saved us from the punishment of the fire. And that is when Allah will reveal Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala to them. And they will look upon the face of their Lord. And by seeing Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will forget every other na'im and every other reward and blessing of Jannah. Everything else will become trivial and insignificant to them, despite what Allah has placed in Jannah of reward and blessing when they see the face of their Lord. And that is the aqeed of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. That the people of Jannah see Allah Azza wa Jal. As the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa in the hadith, when they asked him, O Messenger of Allah, will we see our Lord on Yawm al-Qiyamah? He said, do you not see the full moon on the clear night? That is how you will see your Lord without having to jostle with one another. Meaning despite the vast many people that will be on the day of judgment and in Jannah, the people will see Allah Azza wa Jal clearly, without having to fight or push or shove anyone else, just as when we look up, we can all see the world, the um, the moon on a full night, despite there being six billion on people on the face of the earth. That is how the people of Jannah will see their Lord. And it's said that one of the scholars of the past was debating with someone who denied that they will, that the believers will see Allah in Jannah. So he said to him, "I am going to make a dua, and you say Amin." And you make a dua and I will say, I mean, as for my dua, is that I will say, oh Allah, if you will grant the believers the reward of seeing you in Jannah, then allow me to be from amongst them, because I affirm it. Say, I mean. So he said, I mean. He said, and as for your dua, you should say, oh Allah, if you're going to grant it to the believers in Jannah, don't give it to me, because I don't affirm it. Say, I mean. He refused to say, I mean. He said, no, I can't say, I mean to that. 
and that is because it is the greatest of rewards that Allah Azza wa Jal will give to a person on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So why would a person want to deny something which will be that great reward? وَالَّذِينَ كَسَبُوا السَّيِّئَاتِ جَزَاءُ سَيِّئَةٍ بِمِثْلِهَا As for those who have earned bad actions, a bad action such as shirk will be repaid with one, the like of it. وَتَرْهَقُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ Debasement will darken them. مَا لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عَاصِمٍ They will have no one to protect them from Allah. كَأَنَّمَا أُغْشِيَتْ مُجُوهُهُمْ قِطَعًا مِنَ اللَّيْلِ مُظْلِمًا It is as if their faces were covered by dark patches, meaning pieces of the night. Read as قِطَعًا 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 and قِطَعًا with the سُكُونَ قِطَعًا and قِطَعًا أُولَئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ Those shall be the companions of the fire, remaining in it timelessly forever. And in these verses, as is in previous verses, what 26, Allah Azza wa Jal says that their faces will not be darkened, nor will their faces be dusty, because that will be the way that the people of the fire are, as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in verse 27, and as Allah mentions at the end of Surah Abasa, وَوُجُوهِ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَلَيْهَا غَبَرَ تَرْهَقُهَا قَتَرَ Their faces will be darkened and they will be dusty. And that's the hadith of Ibrahim alayhi salam seeing his father and he is dusty and darkened. وَيَوْمَ نَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ نَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا مَكَانَكُمْ أَنْتُمْ وَشُرَكَاءُكُمْ On, remember that. On, meaning remember the day we gather them, meaning the whole of creation, all together. We will say to them, we will say then to those who associated others with Allah, to your place, you. The repetition of the pronoun you is to stress the pronoun built into the verb, and your partner gods, meaning the idols. Then we will sift them out, meaning we will separate them from the believers as in the ayah. Keep yourselves apart today, you evildoers. And their partner gods will say to those who worship them, was not us you worshipped. In verse 28, the author is saying that the repetition of the pronoun you, مَكَانَكُمْ أَنْتُمْ وَشُرَكَاءُكُمْ Three times. You take your place, you and your gods. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla is repeating it three times to debase them, to humiliate them, to separate them from the believers. You, you, you. And not only them, but their gods as well will be removed. Now. فَكَثَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ Allah is a sufficient witness between us and you. إِن كُنَّا عَنْ عِبَادَتِكُمْ لَغَافِلِينَ We were unaware of your worship. هُنَالِكَ تَبْلُوا كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا أَسْلَفَتْ Then and there, meaning on that day, every self will be tried. Read as تَبْلُوا and تَتْلُوا For what it did before, meaning the actions it did in this world. وَرُدُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ مَوْلَاهُمُ الْحَقِّ They will be returned to Allah, their master, the real. And what, meaning the partner gods, the invented, will abandon them. Say to them, who provides for you out of heaven, a reference to rain and earth, a reference to plants. Who controls hearing and sight, this means that he created them. وَمَنْ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ 
who brings forth the living from the dead and the dead from the living. Who directs the whole affair between creatures. They will say, Allah. Say to them, So will you not be God fearing and believe? That is Allah, your Lord, the firm truth. And what is the after truth except misguidance? The expected answer is the affirmative. There is nothing after that. Whoever fails to grasp the truth, which involves worshipping Allah, falls into misguidance. So how have you been distracted from believing when the truth is clearly established? كَذَلِكَ حَقَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ فَسَقُوا أَنَّهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ In that way, meaning in the way that those people are distracted from faith, the word of your Lord is realized against those who are deviators, meaning unbelievers. A reference to Allah's words, I will fill hellfire. In that, they do not believe. Meaning that the word of Allah Azza wa or the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them, in verse 33, is that Allah will fill the fire with them, as Allah says in the Quran, Say, can any of your partner gods bring creation out of nothing and then regenerate it? Say, Allah brings creation out of nothing and then regenerates it. So how have you been perverted? How have you been perverted against worshipping Allah when the proof has been established? Say, can any of your partner gods guide to the truth by establishing proofs and creating guidance? Say, Allah guides to the truth. <coughs> Who has more right to be followed? He who guides to the truth, in other words, Allah, or he who cannot guide unless he is guided? Whom is it better to follow? This question, which implies an affirmative response, is a rebuke, for it is clearly better to follow the former. What is the matter with you? How do you reach your judgment? Meaning your judgment to follow what should not be followed is clearly fallacious. Most of them follow nothing but conjecture. By worshipping idols, they are only imitating their fathers. Conjecture is of no use whatsoever against the truth. Meaning conjecture is not real knowledge. Allah most certainly knows what they are doing and will repay them for what they did. This Qur'an could never have been devised by any besides Allah, meaning it could not have been forged. Rather, it is confirmation of what came before it, meaning the divinely revealed books. An elucidation of the book, making clear what Allah has prescribed in terms of rulings and other matters, which contains no doubt from the Lord of all of the from all from the Lord of all the worlds. Do they say he, meaning Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, has invented it? Say, then produce a surah like it. 
meaning one with the same eloquence and purity of Arabic which is forged since you are eloquent Arabs and call for help on anyone you can besides Allah if you are telling the truth about him having forged it you will not be able to do so Allah says in verse 38 as we mentioned previously that Allah set a challenge to the Arabs in three stages of bringing something like the Quran the first was bringing something similar to the Quran meaning in its entirety the second was to bring ten surahs similar to it which will come in Surah Hud, which is the following Surah after Yunus. And the third is what is mentioned here in verse 38 in Surah Yunus, that they should bring one Surah like it. And one Surah means three verses, because that is the shortest Surah of the Qur'an. No, the fact is that they have denied something, meaning the Qur'an, which they do not reflect on, and which their knowledge does not embrace, and the meaning of which, meaning the results of the threat in it, has not yet reached them. In the same way, referring to their denial, those before them also denied the truth, meaning denied their messengers. See the final fate of the wrongdoers. Their fate was destruction, and that, and that is what will befall to these people as well. Among them, being the people of Mecca, there are some who believe in it, and Allah knows this about them, and some who do not, and never will. Your Lord best knows the corruptors. This is a threat. If they deny you, say to them, I have my actions, and you have your actions, meaning each will have the repayment of their actions. You are not responsible for what I do, and I am not responsible for what you do. This ayah was abrogated by the ayah of the sword. In verse 41, the abrogation of this verse is the opinion of some of the early scholars of tafsir, like Muqatil ibn Hayyan, rahimahullah ta'ala. But the stronger opinion is, as mentioned by Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shawqiti and others, is that it is not abrogated. And they said that it is abrogated because Allah is saying, for you is your deeds, for me is my deeds. That's abrogated later on because the Prophet has to fight them. He can't just leave them and say, for you is what is yours and for me is what is mine. But the correct opinion is that it is not abrogated. And the meaning is correct that Allah doesn't make me responsible for someone else's actions, nor them responsible for my actions. And so the meaning is still correct and it is not abrogated and Allah knows best. Among them, there are some who listen to you when you recite the Qur'an. But can you make the death here even though they cannot understand? They are likened to the death in as much as they do not benefit from what is recited to them. So it is as if they were deaf. Among them, there are some who look at you. But can you guide the blind, even though they cannot see? They are likened to the blind, since they are not guided. In fact, it is even worse for them, because it is not the eyes that are blind, but the hearts and the breasts that are blind. In verses 42 and 43, Allah speaks about this in, in a number of places in the Quran. The first of them was towards the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah. That Allah doesn't take away from these people the fact that they can see and that they can hear. But Allah takes away from them the fact that they benefit from those senses in terms of receiving the reminder and the revelation. So they look but they do not observe. And they hear but they do not listen. 
And that's why Allah Azza wa says, as the author Rahimahullah alludes to the other verse, فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبْصَارِ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ It is not their eyes that have become blind, it is the hearts within their chests that are blind. Meaning that the revelation and the guidance and the benefit and the reminder doesn't penetrate their heart. And that is where a person benefits from the reminder of the Qur'an and from the reminder of the Prophet And that is why the Sharia places a great deal of emphasis on the heart and the situation of the heart and purifying the heart and saving ourselves from the diseases of the heart. Because the heart is something which is extremely important. The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, indeed, in the body there is a morsel of flesh. If it is righteous and upright, the body becomes righteous and upright. And if it is evil and corrupt, the body becomes evil and corrupt. Indeed, it is the heart. And so that is what Allah Azzawajal is referring to. So these people can see, these people can hear, and they were people of intellect. Like Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl, before Islam, his name is a father of ignorance. That's not the title by which he was known by. His title is Abu Hakam, the father of intelligence and wisdom, because he was known to be intelligent and extremely wise in his dealings. But when he, when that wisdom and that intellect leads him to straying away from Islam, rejecting Allah, rejecting the Prophet ﷺ, rejecting the Quran, then such intellect and such wisdom has no benefit. And so he became known as Abu Jahl, the father of ignorance. And so Allah does not deny that the, from these people that they had intellects, that they had eyesight, that they, but what Allah takes away from them is the purpose of those attributes, those senses, those blessings of Allah, and that is the ability to be able to take revelation and be able to process it and believe in Allah And that's why an average Muslim who is illiterate, doesn't understand anything, can't read, can't write, but they have that strong iman in their hearts is better and more nobler and more righteous than the one who is extremely well-read and well-educated, but despite that they can't understand revelation and it doesn't penetrate their heart. And that is an important principle to understand. And that is the meaning of those previous verses that we covered in Surah Al-An'am and they will come later on in Surah Al-Tahaf and other places where the Prophet ﷺ is corrected because he ignores the poorer Muslims and is trying to come and take an audience with the disbelieving elite and the rich amongst them and the noble amongst them because outwardly they have what seems to be good. But Allah Azza wa rebukes him for that because what they have, even though it may appear to be good, doesn't benefit them and it doesn't profit them. And as for the one who has iman and taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that is far more precious in the sight of Allah Azza wa Inna Allah la nas shay'a Allah does not wrong people in any way Rather, it is people who wrong themselves On the day we gather them together When it will seem as if they had tarried in this world Or in their graves no more than an hour of a single day Meaning owning to their terror at what they see They will recognize one another they recognize each other when they are resurrected and then they will cease to do so because of the intensity of the situation. Those who denied the meeting with Allah, meaning the resurrection, will have lost. They were not guided. In verse 45, Allah says, It's as if they spent an hour. And the translation here is an hour of a single day. 
And what is more accurate is that the Arabs of the time of the Prophet weren't familiar with the concept of an hour as we are, as 60 minutes of a clock. Because the Arabs of that time didn't have clocks and didn't have time and timepieces had yet to be invented. So their time and portion was known by the times of the day, the morning, the evening, the prayer times of Fajr and Dhuhr and Maghrib and Asr and Isha. That is how they understood the concept of time. And that is why in the Quran and in the Sunnah of the Prophet when the word Sa'a comes, it doesn't refer to 60 minutes as a period of time, but refers to a portion of time that they were familiar with. Some scholars said it's closer to 40 minutes, 45 minutes and so on. The point is that it is a portion of time and not an hour as we understand the word hour to mean. And that is important in understanding the text of the Quran and the Sunnah that we understand the Arabic language as it was understood and mentioned at that time of revelation. And we gave the example similar to it of walad, of child. And now how it's used as son, but then it was used as the more general word of child, meaning male or female. But the meaning is correct, that the people of, of on the Day of Judgment will think that they only lasted in this world for a very short period of time. As Allah says at the end of Surah Al-Nazi'at, كَأَنَّهُمْ يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَهَا لَمْ يَلْبَثُوا إِلَّا عَشِيَّةً أَوْ ضُحَاهَا on that day they will think that they only spent a morning or an afternoon in this world. And that is because of the shortness of the time of the dunya compared to the 50,000 years that will be the day of judgment. Whether we show you something of, of what, meaning the punishment we have promised them during your lifetime, or take you back to us before punishing them, they will still return to us. Then Allah sees and will be witness against what they are doing, meaning their denial and disbelief, and will inflict the most terrible punishment on them. Every nation has a messenger. And when their messenger comes to them and they deny him, everything is decided between them justly. They will be punished, whereas the messenger and those who believed him will be saved. They are not wronged by their punishment, meaning punished for no crime. That is how Allah will treat them. They say, when will this promise, promise of punishment be kept if you are telling the truth about it? Say, I possess no power to harm, meaning to inflict harm on, or help, meaning bring benefit to myself, except as Allah wills, according to what He decrees. So, how could I possibly control the descent of the punishment on you? Every nation has an appointed time, meaning a known moment for its destruction. When the appointed time comes, they cannot delay, delay a single hour or bring it forward. Say, what do you think? Tell me, if his, meaning Allah's punishment, came upon you by night or day, what part of it, meaning the punishment with the evildoers, meaning the idolaters, then try to hasten? What is intended by the question is to terrify them by stressing how terrible the fate is that they are trying to that they are trying to hasten. And then, when it actually comes about and happens to you, it will be said, I 
تستعجلون Now do you believe in it? When you believe in Allah or the punishment when it occurs At that time your belief will not be accepted from you And this will be said to you It was this that you were trying to hasten by your mockery Then it will be said to those who did wrong Taste the punishment of eternity in which you will remain forever Have you been repaid for anything other than what you earned? They will ask you to tell them, meaning asking you for information, if this is true, referring to what you have promised them by way of punishment and the resurrection. Say yes, indeed by my Lord, it is it certainly is true. And you can do nothing to prevent it, and so escape the punishment. وَلَوْ أَنَّ لِكُلِّ نَفْسٍ ظَلَمَتْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ لَفْتَدَتْ If every self that did wrong through disbelieving possessed everything on earth, all the wealth it contains, it would offer it as a ransom from the punishment on their rising. They will conceal their remorse for not believing when they see the punishment. Their leaders concealed it from the weak whom they misled for fear of being blamed by them. وَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْقِسْقِ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ Everything will be decided between them, meaning creatures, justly. They will not be wronged in any way. أَلَا إِنَّ لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Yes, everything in the heavens and earth belongs to Allah. أَلَا إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Yes, Allah's promise of resurrection and repayment is true and firm, but most of them, meaning most people, do not know it. He gives life and causes to die, and you will be returned to him, and he will repay you for your actions. Mankind, meaning people of Mecca, admonition, a record which contains what you have and what you owe, has come to you from your Lord, referring to the Qur'an, and also healing for what is in the breasts, referring to false beliefs and doubts, and guidance for misguidance, and mercy for the believers. Say, it is a favor of Allah, meaning Islam, and His mercy, meaning the Qur'an, that should be the cause of their rejoicing. That is better than anything they accumulate. Read as Yajma'un and Tajma'un. You accumulate of this world. Verses 57 and 58 speak about the virtue of the Quran. That from the benefit of the Quran is that it is a healing, it is a guidance, it is a mercy. And then in verse 58, the author says that the favor of Allah, the fadl of Allah in this verse, is being referred to as Islam and his mercy. The Rahmah is the Quran. And that is the position of Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud amongst many others of the scholars of tafsir. That in this verse, that is what is being referred to. In the hadith of Ubay ibn Ka'ab, he says that the Prophet came to me one day and he said, O Ubay, Allah has commanded me to recite a surah of the Quran to you. I said, O Messenger of Allah, did Allah name me? Allah told you to come to me by name? The Prophet said, Yes. The narrator, when he had this narration from Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu an, he says to him, O Abu al-Mundir, I think you are happy by this. Right? It's a, an amazing honor. And Ubay radiallahu an said, and why shouldn't I be happy when Allah says, 
Let the people rejoice in the favor of Allah, Islam, and His mercy, the Quran. And so, it was the common understanding amongst the companions that that is the meaning of the favor and mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal in this verse. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ فَجَعَلْتُمْ مِنْهُ حَرَامًا وَحَلَالًا Say, tell me, what do you think about the things Allah has created and sent down to you as provision, which you have then designated as lawful and unlawful, such as animals designated as bahira and sa'iba and carry on. قُلْ أَلَّهُ أَذِنَ لَكُمْ أَمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَفْتَرُونَ Say, has Allah given you authority to do this, meaning to declare things unlawful and lawful? Or are you inventing lies against Allah, meaning disbelieving by attributing that to Him? وَمَا ظَنُّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ What will those who invent lies against Allah think after reckoning that they will not be punished on the day of rising? إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَذُو فَضْلٍ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ no, Allah shows favor to mankind by deferring their punishment and granting them blessings. But most of them are not thankful. You, meaning Muhammad وسلم, do not engage in any matter or recite any of the Qur'an which has been sent down to you or do. Address now to him and his community any action without our witnessing you, meaning there are watchers observing you while you are occupied with it. Not even the smallest speck eludes your Lord, neither on earth or in heaven. Nor is there anything smaller than that or larger, which is not in a clear book, which also makes things clear, meaning the preserved tablet. Yes, the friends of Allah will feel no fear and will know no sorrow in the next world. Those who believe and are God-fearing, obeying Allah's commands and prohibitions. Verses 62 and 63. In verse 62, Allah Azza wa speaks about these people that Allah and these are the believers that Allah decrees for them no sorrow, no any 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 uh, fear. And in the hadith of Umar radiallahu an, that is authentic in Sunan Abi Dawood, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that indeed there are people that are not prophets nor martyrs, but the prophets and martyrs are envious of them. They are those people who love one another for the sake of Allah. There is nothing that connects them, neither wealth nor blood. But they love one another only for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. Indeed their faces will be light and they will be upon light. And on the day of judgment they will have no fear when the people will fear. Nor will they have any sorrow when the people will have sorrow. And then the Prophet wasallam recited this verse, verse 62 of Surah Yunus. Yes, the friends of Allah will feel no fear and will know no sorrow. There is good news for them in the life of this world. Explain the hadith which Al-Hakim considers to be sound as referring to true, to true, true dreams which a person sees or is shown and in the next world 
referring to the garden and the reward. There is no changing the words of Allah, meaning Allah does not break His promises. That is a great victory. And this verse 64 is an extension of the rewards of those people that Allah has favored, those people who have iman and taqwa. Allah says that they will have good news in this life, in this world. And He mentions the hadith of Al Hakim uh, that He mentions of. The Prophet ﷺ, there is an authentic hadith also collected in a Tirmidhi and that is that the Prophet ﷺ said that from the good news that a believer receives is the righteous dream, the true dream and it is from the 40, one of the 45 parts of prophethood and the only part that will remain after the Prophet ﷺ one of the 45 ways of revelation it is the only one that will remain after the Prophet ﷺ that a person sees a good dream that comes true in the hadith of Ubad ibn Samit the Prophet ﷺ said, the good news is the good dream that a person sees or someone sees for them. Either you see yourself or someone sees it about you. <coughs> Do not be grieved by what they say. Meaning saying things like, you are not a messenger. All might belongs to Allah. He is the all-hearing of words, the all-knowing of actions. And he will repay you for them and help you. Yes, indeed. Everyone in the heavens and everyone on the earth belongs to Allah. As slaves, property and creatures of Allah. Those who call on and worship anything other than Allah, meaning idols, are not really following their partner gods. They are not following partners in reality because Allah is exalted above all of that. They are only following conjecture. It is only in their deluded opinion that these idols are gods which will intercede for them. They are only guessing and lying in that. It is he who has appointed the night for you so that you could rest in it and the day for seeing. Seeing is attributed to the daytime since things become visible in it. There are certainly signs in that, meaning evidence of Allah's unity for people who listen, who hear, reflect, and pay heed to them. They, meaning the Jews and Christians and those who claim that the angels are the daughters of Allah, say Allah has a son. Allah, Allah, says, has, Allah has a child because as you can see from the commentary of Siyuti, he refers to the Jews, the Christians, the angels. And that's because the classical understanding of the word walad was child. Allah says to them, Subhana, glory be to him, to free himself of having any child attributed to him. He is the rich beyond need of anyone. Only someone in need of a child seeks one. Everything in the heavens and everything on the earth belongs to him, as his domain, creation and slaves. Have you authority or conclusive proof to say this which they say? What are you saying about Allah, what you do not know? The question at the end is meant as a rebuke. Say, people who invent lies against Allah by attributing a child to him will not be successful. 
There is a brief enjoyment of this world, which people can only enjoy during their lives in it. Then they will return to us at death. Then we will make them taste the terrible punishment after death because they disbelieved. Recite Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to them, meaning the unbelievers, the unbelievers of Mecca, the story of Nuh. If Qalani Qawmihi ya Qawmi in kana kabura alaykum maqami wa tabkiri bi ayatillahi fa'alallahi tawakkal. When he said to his people, my people, if my standing here, meaning remaining among you and admonishing you and reminding you of Allah's signs have become too much and too difficult for you to bear, know that I have put my trust in Allah. So decide, you and your gods, and resolve on what you want to do to me, and be open about it. Do not conceal what you want to do, but make it known. Do with me whatever you decide, and do not keep me waiting. I do not care what you do. In verse 71, Allah Azza mentions the story of Nuh which we mentioned briefly in Surah Al-A'raf, and which will be mentioned in even greater detail in the following Surah, Surah of Hud. And he says, if my standing here amongst you has become too much, because we know elsewhere in the Quran, Allah Azza wa tells us that he stayed amongst his people, calling them for 950 years. And after that 950 years, his followers will be very few. Allah says in Surah Hud, as we will inshallah discuss tomorrow, وَمَا آمَنَ مَعَهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلٌ and only very few believed in him. And that's because despite that length of time and his patience and his calling them as Allah will mention in Surah Nuh, day and night in secret and open individually in groups, they still turned away from him. And that is when he turned to Allah and asked Allah Azza wa Jal to decide about their affair. If you turn your backs on my reminder, I have not asked you for any wage or reward for it. In ajriya illa ala Allah, my wage and reward is the responsibility of Allah alone. Wa umirtu an akuna min al Muslimin, and I, I am commanded to be one of the Muslims. Fakadabu fanajina hu wa man maahu fil fulki wa jalna hum khalaif. But they denied him, and so we rescued him and all those with him in the ark, and we made them, him and his companions, the successors, the Khalifs in the earth. And we drowned in the flood the people who denied our signs. See the final fate of those who are warned about their destruction. That is how we will treat those who deny the truth. And that is because as Allah says in verse 73, everyone else was destroyed except for the believers. And so Allah says, therefore everyone that came after them is from the children and from the descendants of those people who survived from the children of Nuh alayhi salatu wassalam. And that is why every prophet that comes is from the children of Nuh alayhi salam, just as they are from the children of Ibrahim and the, uh, and the children of Adam alayhi salatu wassalam. And that is why these prophets, when they met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ibrahim and Adam, they referred to him as a righteous son. Welcome, O Prophet and O righteous son. And the other prophets would refer to him as righteous brother. ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ رُسُلًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ فَجَاءُهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ Then 
after him, meaning Nuh, we sent messengers to their people, such as Ibrahim, Hud, and Salih, and they brought them the clear signs, meaning miracles. فَمَا كَانُوا لِيُؤْمِنُوا بِمَا كَذَّبُوا بِهِ مِنْ قَبْلٍ But they were never going to believe in something which they had previously denied when the messengers were sent to them. That is how we seal up the hearts of those who overstep the limits and do not believe. Then after them we sent Musa and Harun with our nine signs to Pharaoh and his ruling circle. But they were too arrogant to believe in them and were a people of evildoers. In verse 75, as you see Allah often in the story of Musa والسلام, and even in the story as we saw in Surah Al-Araf of, of Nuh and Hud and others, often refers to Al-Mala, the Mala. The Mala are the influences of society, the ruling circle, the people that others will then follow in their footsteps. And that's why Allah refers to them specifically because everyone else would follow in their footsteps. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifies them not to absolve the rest of them from their responsibility and their duty but because those people are followers of their leaders. When the truth came to them from us, they said, this is downright clear magic. Musa said, do you say to the truth when it comes to you? This is magic. Meaning, do you say this when those who bring the truth prosper and the magic of the magicians come to nothing? Magicians are not successful. Both questions demand a negative response. They said, have you come to us to turn us from what we found our fathers doing and to gain greatness, meaning dominion, in the land of Egypt? We do not believe you. Pharaoh said, bring me every knowledgeable magician, meaning those with great skill in magic. When the magicians came, Musa said to them, after they had asked him, will you throw or shall we throw? Throw whatever you have to throw. When they had thrown this, the stubs and ropes, Musa said, what you have brought is magic. Allah will certainly prove it false and obliterate it. Allah does not uphold the actions of corruptors. In verse 81, he says, when they had thrown their staves and ropes, because some of them had sticks and some of them had ropes, and they threw both of them. Allah confirms the truth and makes it victorious by His words, meaning His promises, even though the evildoers hate it. No one believed in Musa except for a few, meaning a small group of his, meaning Pharaoh's people, out of fear that Pharaoh and the elders would persecute them and turn them from the deen by torturing them. Pharaoh was high, meaning arrogant and mighty in the land of Egypt. 
He was one of the profligate who exceeded the limits by laying claim to divinity. Musa said, My people, if you believe in Allah, then put your trust in Him if you are Muslims. They said, We have put our trust in Allah. Our Lord, do not make us target for this wrongdoing people. Meaning, do not let them conquer us so that they suppose that they have the truth and are tempted through us to believe that. But rescue us by your mercy from this unbelieving people. We reveal to Musa and his brother, settle your people in houses in Egypt and make your houses places of worship, meaning places in which to pray so that you will be safe from fear. Pharaoh had forbidden them to pray. And establish the prayer and perform it. And give good news to the believers of victory in the garden. وقال موسى ربنا إنك آتيت فرعون وملأه زينة وأموالا في الحياة الدنيا ربنا ليضلوا عن سبيلك موسى said our Lord you have given Pharaoh and his ruling circle finery and wealth in the life of this world our Lord so that they may be misguided from your way meaning your deen in the end ربنا قمس على أموالهم واشتد على قلوبهم فلا يؤمنوا حتى يروا العذاب الأليم. Our Lord obliterate their wealth, meaning transform it into worthless stones, and harden, meaning seal up their hearts, so that they do not believe until they see the painful punishment. This is a supplication against them. Harun said, Amin to his supplication. قال قد أجيب الدعوتكما فاستقيما. He, meaning Allah said, your request is answered. So they were turned to stones and Pharaoh did not believe until he was on the point of drowning. So go straight by following the message and supplicating until the punishment comes to them. And do not follow the way of those who have no knowledge, demonstrated by the fact that they try to hasten my decree. It is related that Pharaoh remained for 40 years after this. In verses 88 and 89, the author mentions a, a fine point. And that is that he's saying that in verse 88 it is Musa السلام, making the dua. وقال موسى ربنا إنك آتيت فرعون وملأه زينة. It is Musa making the dua. But in verse 89 Allah says قال قد أجيبت دعوتكما. I have re- responded to both of your requests. Both meaning Musa and Harun عليهما السلام. Is Musa making the dua? Why does Allah عز وجل say that he's responded therefore to both of them and only one is making the dua? That is the statement that Al-Sayyuti mentions at the end of his commentary of verse 88, which is the statement of, of Al-Rabi' ibn Anas, ta'ala, one of the early scholars of Islam, that Musa was making the dua and Harun was saying Ameen. And that's why this is an amazing tafsir, that without mentioning and without going into the detail, just in a sentence that most of us would probably just overlook, wouldn't pay much attention to, would just continue without really focusing on, he's giving you the opinions of the Salaf, and he's giving you how you understand the change of context and the change of who's being addressed in these verses, all within a single uh, sentence that most of us wouldn't look very much beyond. And so what he's saying is that Musa is making dua, but Harun is making the same Ameen. 
And because he's saying Ameen, it's as if both of them are making dua. Which is why some of the scholars of Islam have the position that if someone is making dua and you say Ameen, it includes you as well. Like the Imam in the Witr prayer, he makes a dua and you say Ameen, you don't repeat it, but it includes all of you. And that's the same reason why some of the scholars, just as a tangent and a side point, those scholars will say that the in the congregational prayer, the loud prayer, that you don't have to recite Surah Al-Fatiha behind the Imam, this is one of the evidences that they use. And there is a very fine point of understanding of fiqh. They say because if you say Ameen at the end of Fatiha, it's as if you have recited. The recitation of the Imam is sufficient for you. وَجَاوَزْنَا بِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ الْبَحْرَ فَأَتْبَعَهُمْ فِرْعَوْنُ وَجُنُودُهُ بَغْيًا وَعَدْوًا We brought the tribe of Israel across the sea, and Pharaoh and his troops pursued them out of tyranny and enmity. حَتَّى إِذَا أَدْرَكَهُ الْغَرَقُ قَالَ آمَنْتُ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا الَّذِي آمَنَتْ بِهِ بَنُو إِسْرَائِيلَ وَأَنَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Then when he was on the point of drowning, he said, I believe that there is redas annahu and innahu, no God but him in whom the tribe of Israel believe. I am one of the Muslims. He added his statement, I am one of the Muslims, in the hope of ensuring that it would be accepted from him. But it was not accepted. Jibreel put the mud of the sea in his mouth out of, out of the fear that mercy would reach him. Then Allah continues. In verse 90, this is now when Pharaoh is being drowned and now he tries to accept Islam. And as we know that when a person is at the time of death and the soul is leaving their body as his was the case with him as his body was being drowned he tried to accept Iman or tried to believe and it wasn't something which would be accepted from him because of the situation that he's in which is at the point of death nor was he even able to express himself to say that I am worshipping Allah he doesn't say I believe in Allah I worship you O Allah alone he says I believe in the God of Bani Israel because surely that is that Iman had it settled in his heart it wasn't something that he was sincere about. He couldn't even say, Allah, I believe in what they believe in. And I'm a Muslim like they're Muslims. And so Allah Azza wa didn't accept it from him. And this is the authentic narration that the author, Rahimullah, mentions in At-Tirmidhi of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma. That when this verse was revealed, Jibreel, alayhi salam, said to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Muhammad, if only you could have seen me. When Pharaoh was attempting to believe and I took the soil from the seabed and I shoved it into his mouth to stop him from making that proclamation. And some of the scholars said, because that is how vast Allah's mercy is. And Pharaoh was one of the greatest tyrants upon the face of the earth. What? Now believe when previously you rebelled and were one of the corruptors. Meaning when you are misguided and have misguided others from believing. Today we'll preserve your body. We'll bring your lifeless body out of the sea. So you can be a sign, meaning a lesson for people who come after you. In that they will recognize that you are merely a slave and will not dare to do the same as you did. Ibn Abbas said that some of the Banu Israel were unsure about his death and so he was produced for them so that they could see him. وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ النَّاسِ عَنْ آيَاتِنَا لَغَافِلُونَ Surely many people are heedless of our signs and do not learn from them. وَلَقَدْ بَوَّأْنَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مُبَوَّأَ صِدْقٍ وَرَزَقْنَاهُمْ مِّنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ We settled the tribe of Israel in a noble place, a reference to Syria and Egypt, and gave them good things as provision. فَمَا اخْتَلَفُوا حَتَّى جَاءَهُمُ الْعِلْمِ they did not differ. 
meaning by some believing and some disbelieving until knowledge came to them. Your Lord will decide between them on the day of rising regarding the things about which they differed in the deen by saving the believers and punishing the unbelievers. فَإِن كُنْتَ فِي شَكٍ مِمَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ فَاسْأَلِ الَّذِينَ يَقْرَؤُونَ الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ If you, Muhammad وسلم, are in any doubt about what we have sent down to you regarding some stories for instance, then ask those who are reciting the book, meaning the Torah, before you. And they will tell you about its truthfulness. The Prophet وسلم, said, I do not doubt and will not ask. لَقَدْ جَاءَكَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ The truth has come to you from your Lord, so on no account be one of the doubters who have doubts about it. وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And on no account be among those who deny Allah's signs and so become one of the last. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ حَقَّتْ عَلَيْهِمْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ those against whom the words of your Lord, meaning his punishment, unjustly carried out, and for whom they are mandatory, will never believe. Not even if every sign were to come to them, until they see the painful punishment. Belief will not help them at that time. How is it that there has never been a city, meaning its inhabitants, that believed before the punishment alighted on it, whose belief then brought it benefit when they saw the first signs of punishment and who did not pull off believing until it was too late, except the people of Yunus. When they had believed, we removed them, we removed from them the punishment of disgrace in the life of this world and we let them have enjoyment for a time until the end of their allotted term. In verse number 98, Allah goes on to the story of Yunus after whom this surah is named and there is the reason for naming this surah. The whole surah so far thus far has been speaking about establishing the proofs of Allah's oneness and his right to be worshipped upon the mushrikeen and the disbelievers. And then Allah gave us the two examples of these two prophets, Nuh and Musa والسلام. And as we mentioned before, as we saw in Surah Al-A'raf, the general ruling is that when the people refuse to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Azza wa miracles come and they deny them and they deny their messengers and their prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroys them and Allah punishes them. And as we saw in the story of Pharaoh, even if at the time of destruction then they try to believe, it doesn't benefit them. Because at that time it is too late. Now that they see Allah's punishment descending upon them, that time is too late. And that's what Allah says elsewhere in the Quran as we have already mentioned in that verse. And as the Prophet said in the hadith two times, a person will not benefit their iman. They cannot believe, nor can they increase in goodness in good deeds. The first is when the hour is established. The second is when the soul is leaving the body. You can't become a Muslim at that time. And if you're a Muslim, you can't increase in good deeds or make tawbah at that time. The exception to that rule is the people of Yunus. And that is why the surah is named after them. And the story of Yunus alayhi salatu wassalam, which will be mentioned elsewhere in the Quran in context of him being swallowed by the well. But that is a different story. The focus here though is on this aspect of their story and that is their iman. 
Yunus, who the Prophet said his name is Yunus ibn Matta. Yunus السلام, is a Prophet of Allah that Allah sent to these, this nation, these people. And he called them and he called them and he tried to convince them to accept Islam and believe and worship Allah and they refused. And they were obstinate. Until he threatened them that if you don't believe, Allah's punishment will come. And when Allah's punishment comes, the Prophet and the believers escape before that punishment comes so that they are not affected by it. So he gave them that promise and they still refused to believe. So he left them. And he went on his way, thinking that Allah's punishment will come and these people will be done. When the punishment came to them, they realized their error. So they turned to Allah and they made dua. And the narrations differ and many of them or most of them are not authentic hadith, but Israelite traditions. They went into the desert, they brought out their children, their women, they brought out everyone, their elderly, and they turned to Allah in sincerity and they made dua. And that's why Allah Azza wa says, Illa qawma Yunus, except the people of Yunus, Lamma amanu when they believed, kashafna anhum adhab al khizi fil hayatid dunya. We removed from them the punishment in the life of this world. And because Allah Azza wa removed the punishment, the Prophet Yunus when he heard of this, he felt in some narrations too embarrassed to go back to them. That he made them a promise and the promise didn't come true. And that is why he went elsewhere without Allah's permission. And that's why you have the story of him being swallowed by the belly, in the belly of the whale, which is for another part of the Quran in Surah Al-Anbiya. So this is what Allah Azza is referring to. The people of Yunus السلام, are the only exception to that rule. Every other nation, that rule was, done, was, was, was placed upon them. If they saw punishment, they would be destroyed. The people of Yunus are the exception. Then the scholars of Tafsir differ. Is the delay of their punishment only from this world, as is apparent in this verse, عذاب الخزي في الحياة الدنيا, Allah says, from the life of this world, that they only saved from this punishment in the worldly sense, but they'll still have their punishment in the hereafter. Or is it something that Allah removed from them in both ways? And the position of Ibn Kathir and Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti, amongst others, is that Allah lifted both punishments from them, as is implied in other verses of the Qur'an concerning their story. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. وَلَوْ شَاءَ رَبُّكَ لَآمَنَ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كُلُّهُمْ جَمِيعًا If your Lord had willed, all the people on the earth would have believed. أَفَأَنْتَ تُكْرِهُ النَّاسَ حَتَّى يَكُونُوا مُؤْمِنِينَ Do you think you can force people to be believers if Allah has not willed that they shall be? وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَنْ تُؤْمِنَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ No self can believe except with Allah's permission, meaning by His will. وَيَجَعَلُ الرِّجِسَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ He places a blight, meaning punishment, on those who do not use their intellect, who do not ponder the signs of Allah. قُلْ انظُرُوا مَاذَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Say to the unbelievers of Mecca, look at what there is in the heavens and on the earth, meaning the signs in the heaven and the earth which indicate the oneness of Allah Almighty. وَمَا تُغْنِي الْآيَاتُ وَالنُّذُرُ عَنْ قَوْمٍ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ but signs and warnings are of no avail to people who do not believe. Without knowledge of Allah, they will be of no benefit to them. فَهَلْ يَنْتَظِرُونَ إِلَّا مِثْلَ أَيَّامِ الَّذِينَ خَلَوْا مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ What are they waiting for? In the denial, but the same fate as those nations who passed away before them. Meaning, a punishment like theirs. قُلْ فَانْتَظِرُوا إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُنْتَظِرِينَ Say, wait for that. I will be among the people waiting with you. 
Then we will rescue our messengers and those who believe as well from the punishment. It is incumbent upon us to rescue the believers, meaning the Prophet and his companions, when we punish the idolaters. In verse 103, Allah says, It is an obligation that Allah has placed upon Himself that He helps the believers. And that is why, this, irrespective of whatever situation the believer is in, whatever difficulty or trial that they're facing, Allah Azza wa will always bring them relief and success, either in terms of reward or forgiveness of sin or increase of blessing, or by removing the difficulty that they are in. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِن كُنْتُمْ فِي شَكٍ مِّن دِينِي Say, mankind, meaning people of Mecca, if you are in any doubt about my deen being true, فَلَا أَعْبُدُ الَّذِينَ تَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ I do not worship those who worship besides Allah, meaning the idols, since you doubted him. وَلَكِنْ أَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ Rather, I worship Allah, who will take you back to him in death, when he takes your souls. وَأُمِدْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And I am commanded to be one of the believers. It was said to him, وَأَنْ أَقِمْ وَجَهَكَ لِلدِّينِ حَنِيفًا Turn your face towards the deen in pure, natural faith, inclining spontaneously towards it. وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And on no account be among the idolaters. وَلَا تَدْعُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَنْفَعُكَ وَلَا يَضُرُّكَ Do not call on and worship something besides Allah which can neither help if you worship it nor harm you if you do not worship it. فَإِن فَعَلْتَ فَإِنَّكَ إِذَا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ If you do, Hypothetically, you will then be wrongdoers. If Allah afflicts you with harm, such as poverty and illness, no one can remove it except Him. If He desires good for you, no one can avert or prevent His favor if He wants you to have it. يُصِيبُ بِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ He bestows it, meaning good, on whichever of his slaves he wills. وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ He is ever forgiving, most merciful. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ قَدْ جَاءَكُمُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Say, mankind, people of Mecca, the truth has come to you from your Lord. فَمَنْ اِهْتَدَى فَإِنَّمَا يَهْتَدِي لِنَفْسِهِ Whoever is guided is only guided for his own good, because he will have the reward of his guidance. Whoever is misguided is only misguided to his detriment, because the evil effects of his misguidance will come back on him. I have not been sent over you as a guardian, enabling me to compel you to guidance. Follow what has been revealed to you from your Lord and be steadfast in calling people to Allah and enduring harm from them until Allah's judgment about them comes. He is the best of judges. The Prophet ﷺ was steadfast in the face of the idolaters by fighting and with the people of the book by taking jizya from them. And with that, inshaAllah ta'ala, we come to the end of the tafsir of Surah Yunus and the end of today's session as well so that inshallah ta'ala tomorrow we can begin with surah hud and by my reckoning this is the first time that we finished under three hours
والحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.